You don't get it, son. This isn't a mud hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. in broad daylight. I know why you're afraid to go out at night. The Batman. See, Batman has shown Gotham the true colors. Hey there, citizens of Gotham. Welcome back to the Eternal Night Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the world's greatest detective, the Dark Knight of the DC Universe, Batman the Cape Crusader. I am one of your hosts. My name is Philip Barker, as you all know, and you can follow me on Twitter, Vero, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search for Unfiltered, and you can also catch my regular co-host, Mr. Craig Blaylock. Craig, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Hello, Bat family. I would say you can catch Craig anywhere on social media, but he's still on a social media cleanse, so he'll let us yes. know when he's when he's back from that. But as you all know, this is the Eternal Night. You can feel free to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at tek underscore podcast, and you can also leave us an email at eternalnightpod at gmail .com. And feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or Podbean or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast fixed. It is much appreciated. It helps us get the show noticed and seen and heard about. It's been a while, Craig. Yeah, it's been a bit. Somebody somebody had to go off and get sick on us. Hey. <laughs> I didn't anticipate that. Okay. I, I yeah. It's no it's no mystery. Yeah. I had COVID for a week, so my throat felt like it was swallowing glass and rocks for Ugh. a week. It sucked. Uh, and then I had to deal with that in a heat wave, so that sucked even more. Yeah, I remember when you messaged me and said like, Oh hey, I'm kinda dealing with like I got like a little bit of a sore throat and and you know, other stuff. I'm not might not be able to record tonight and I'm like oh that's fine and in the back of my mind I was like oh boy I hope he doesn't have COVID sure enough and that's exactly what it evolved into yep so a little bit of a programming change we were gonna do a commentary to Justice League Doom we will do that we are making we will make good on that promise mm -hmm. on our last episode we talked about Batgirl getting cancelled we talked about Cape Crusader getting axed from HBO Max though it's still gonna be shopped around to other streamers um but yeah you know it was kind of a catch-up episode and we also talked about the infamous two-faced two-parter in batman the animated series um and we also said i'm pretty sure we said we were going to talk about the justice league storyboards we're kind yep. of doing a switch we are going to talk about the storyboards for justice league parts one and two or rather parts two and part three uh more specifically the, the movies that Zack snyder intended to make but did not get to make uh, following the tragedy 
of the late death of his daughter. Mm. So after that happened, and of course, Justice League bombing at the box office, Warner Brothers decided to change direction. Um, it is up in the air whether or not they will make another Justice League film. Matter of fact, the entirety of the direction of DC is totally up in the air at the moment because yeah. of not only the merger, but because of David Zaslav's current need to find a new head honcho for DC, DC Films, DC Studios, whatever it's going to be called, I don't know. But that's that's basically where we're at because as far as, as I understand it, uh, Zaslav, now the head of C- Warner Brothers Discovery, the CEO, he wants to have DC be its own entity, not under the purview of Warner Brothers Pictures like the past Warner Brothers DC films have been, which I think is it can be a good thing, but at the same time, I really hope that that doesn't turn DC films into carbon copies of what Marvel Studios is doing. But yeah, that's as just... as good of an idea as that sounds, it just it has this underlying risk of just let's just do what they're doing. Because if that does happen, and it, it it's kind of like well, what happens to films like? the batman or, or rather the batman sequel or you mm-hmm. know joker 2 folio folio do which for the record joker 2 is for sure happening yeah they cast lady gaga in a lead role and many assume it's harley quinn i would not be surprised if that was the case mm-hmm. um, they just added a couple more people to the cast too from what i remember uh brennan gleason and somebody else hold on that I'm excited. I like Brendan Gleeson. That dude, anytime he's in a film, he always he always puts in a good performance. Yeah, I feel like there was someone else who just got added to the uh, to the cast. I remember him specifically. He, I remember. I think my first time ever seeing him in anything was in um, Twenty Eight Days Later, where he played the father that ends up getting infected. That's such a good movie. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, Brennan Gleeson joined the cast not too long ago, about a week ago, as far as uh, September 1st. Um, it looks like Zazie Beetz will also be reprising her role for the sequel. Uh, I, I don't That's know how, interesting. Yeah, I don't know how that works. Yeah. Because um, of the way the first film transpired. So... Um, <laughs> mm. That's interesting. I wasn't expecting that. I'm also trying to think, like, who would Brendan Gleeson play... I'm honestly not too sure. Uh, maybe the head of Arkham Asylum. Maybe yeah. Hugo Strange. I'm not entirely sure. Maybe somebody on the Gotham PD that's trying to catch Joker. That's a possibility too. I mean, there's a, there, you know there's a pretty big plethora of characters that you could probably add Brendan Gleeson under. Oh, here we go. Catherine Keener also joined the cast of Joker too, and that was just two days ago. Oh, or okay. Four days ago. Sorry. Oh, we're... I could totally see Brendan Gleeson as Bullock. <laughs> oh, yeah. As, as their interpretation of Bullock. Yeah, I don't know who Catherine Keener is going to play. Yeah, the, that's I, interesting. I think the last thing I saw her in was The Atom Project. I think yeah. she was in that. Yeah, I can't even remember the last thing I saw her in. Yeah, yeah, last thing I saw her in was in The Atom Project, yeah. Um,. So, Brennan Gleeson and Catherine Keener have joined the cast of Joker 2, Foley Adieu. Um, I, you know, Craig just threw out a couple really good solid choices there for Brennan Gleeson. Uh, as far as Catherine Keener goes, that's... <laughs> I have no idea. I, I They say secret role, so mm. I don't know. Um, the surprise to me would be um, the character that comes to mind immediately would be Les- Dr. Leslie Tompkins. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's one I could think of. Um, other than maybe that, like a head of Arkham, maybe potentially. Yeah, since you know that's that's where Joker ended up at the end of the film. I think so. That's where he, I mean it. They didn't really explicitly say that he was an Arkham. Yeah, but they showed. That's kind of what I got the hint of. I mean, it's it's assumed, largely assumed that that the the facility he was in was Arkham, and they even in throughout the course of the film, you know, he does visit Arkham home for mentally mm-hmm. unstable. I I don't remember the exact title of the facility, but it had Arkham in it. Yep. Who knows? Maybe one day we'll talk about that movie and do a commentary to it. I don't know. That would be a trip. I haven't gone back to that movie in quite some time. It's got arguably one of the most haunting scores for mm, a DC yeah. project in quite some time. Yeah. Um, and it's also got one of the most twisted takes on a DC character ever done. And I yeah. think that's that's kind of inherent to, you know, Warner Brothers' mantra in terms of director-driven films and what really stood the DC films apart from the Marvel films initially. And also kind of leading into the hindrance that they face now in this you know general audience driven world of we want comic book films but we want comic book films in a specific kind of way even though joker made over a billion dollars and broke the mold to begin mm-hmm. with somehow some way warner brothers still goes oh let's just make them like marvel no don't do it like that gotta appease those fanboys you know, I don't even think it's the fanboys at this point because they're going to complain one way or the other. You're always never going to be able to appease everybody, but I feel like making a good movie with a good story to that that appeases, you know, your four quadrants, which ironically enough Joker wasn't even aimed at all four quadrants, but it still yeah, no. managed it still managed to make a billion dollars at the box office. So obviously it had a lot of replay value for a lot of different people around the world. So yeah. I don't know. It it's 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 jarring to me that a movie like that can just garner so much critical praise and get so much revenue at the box office. And yet Zack Snyder still gets shit on regularly by both critics and fans alike. And I just don't understand that whatsoever because he's arguably had some of the most impactful DC movies ever made. Yep. You know, in wake of the dark Knight franchise after what Christopher Nolan did with Batman you know, Zack Snyder took the reins of Superman with Man of Steel and then made Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, which I might add was panned by critics. It did had a giant second week drop off at the box office. Mm-hmm. So as much as I love the film, as much as Craig loves the film, there's no denying that people around the world weren't too keen on it. But I will also say that there was a very big push and bot filled campaign to smear that movie yep. that a lot of people tend to brush under the rug or do not acknowledge at all. But, oh, God, Zack Snyder's Justice League was a whole bot-fueled sensation on its own. Bots only matter when it comes to this movie, not the one before it. But yep. I digress. I feel like it's funny. You know, I think we've even talked about it here. Like, had Zack Snyder just been given the opportunity to do what he wanted to do, do his five, five film stories and just be done with it, they would have been in a position to, like, reboot everything and do their own thing now. Yep. But hindsight's twenty twenty. Yep. And uh, well, Warner Brothers did some really unfortunate, deliberate, uh, gross things behind the scenes when it came to the first Justice League movie, and it's really unfortunate that that had to happen. It sucks that the cast and crew were subjugated to such, 
you know, mistreatment by Joss Whedon and Jeff Johns. And it's just, it's, it's really unfortunate that they had to go through, put, be put through that. And even, you know, the studio also publicly lying about, you know, oh, these are minimal reshoots. Oh, we're still keeping the integrity of Zack Snyder. So they didn't do that at all. And yeah, I, now you watch the Snyder cut now and you're like, yeah, uh, no, no, not at all. Uh, uh-uh. and to me, I think one of the biggest bummers is like, and even the, the storyboards that we're going to get into today. And I really wanted to talk about this because there's been a lot of really big misinformation out there in regards to whether or not he will come back and do these movies. And, you know, there's a lot of, as I like to put it, the scoop troop, because I, as Craig and I were talking before we even started recording, I'm not at all a fan of scoopers. I don't really give them the benefit of the doubt even when they get stuff right because truthfully at the end of the day these people are just trying to get the first they're trying to be first in line so they can say oh i was first and they're basically looking for attention and i I can't stand that crap and there's a couple of scoopers more specifically a set of them that are just kind of trying to hammer home this idea that Zack snyder has just been in discussions with warner brothers discovery and he's for sure coming back I can tell you and the listeners right now, I have it on very good authority. That is not the case. He's working on a movie called Rebel Moon right now. He's working on a movie for Netflix. He's got Army of the Dead that he's also working on. He's working on a sequel for that. And he's basically got carte blanche over at Netflix. And I also don't see a situation where he's so eager to jump back into a relationship with a studio that screwed him so hard, yeah. especially after they just screwed another set of filmmakers and canceled their <laughs> exactly, movie entirely. Exactly. So why would he be inclined to go back? <laughs> and it just baffles me that you've got some Slurm McKenzie goon SOBs just like, oh no, he's talking to Warner Brothers Discovery. We have fr-. no. I'm sorry. He's got. He's got. He's a little busy at the moment. I'm. I'm sorry. I understand that you're trying to tell people what you what they want to hear, but the unfortunate truth is, is he's busy and he's working on other things, and it would be a long stretch and it would take a lot, at least in my in my respectful opinion, it would take a lot for Zack Snyder to come back and do the movies as as we see here in the storyboards that we're going to yeah. discuss, you know, because even even what happens in these storyboards doesn't even quite line up with what happened in the Snyder cut. Cause I mean, let's, let's just imagine this like, okay, so yeah, let's, let's say he's, he's eager to go back and he wants to go back to Warner brothers and, you know, do these movies given what Warner brothers has been doing lately. You really think that they're going to work with him on this? I, I can only imagine a situation where Snyder goes to them and goes, okay, I'll come back and do these films but I want creative control and I want as little interference from you guys as possible because of look at what has happened in the past. I don't see Warner brothers being the kind of uh, company that goes, Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, totally. Now granted Alan Horn has been brought back in a supervisory role. Toby Emmerich is no longer the head of Warner brothers pictures. He's no longer the chairman. Uh, Walter Hamada, he's getting the boot one way or the other, because (laughs) as I mentioned earlier, As I mentioned earlier, David Zaslav is looking for a new head of DC Films. Walter Hamada almost quit his job because they can Batgirl, (laughs) right? So once Black Adam is out and done, it'll be by the beginning of the year. That dude has got his shit. He's out of the office. Don't let the door hit you on the ass on the way out, Mm -hmm. Walter. Hint, hint. I hope it does. The only problem, the only real problem I still see 
in regards to anyone at WB being a thorn in that specific situation is Jeff Johns. Mm. That, that to me, and it really sucks talking about Jeff Johns in that way, because I used to be a really big fan of his work. I loved teen Titans, the comic series that he did from 2003 to 2011. I kind of liked his justice league run. His Aquaman from New 52 is arguably some of the best Aquaman comics that's been written in a long time. His Green Lantern Rebirth stuff, eh, his work with Ethan Van Skyver is a whole different conversation because Ethan Van Skyver is just a whole different, just ugly human being in his own right. I'm not here to talk about that today, but Jeff Johns also did, funny enough, write these storyboards that we're going to be discussing today. Mm. And that's what really pains me about all this is that he was integral in this plan and then turned around and did this the story did these characters did these actors did Zack Snyder so dirty in yeah. regards and he was the head of DC films at the time too let's not forget that when this yep. when Justice League was happening Jeff Johns was the president of DC films along with John Berg yep. he's the one who brought in Joss Whedon and that to me just it does it still doesn't sit well with me at all it f- is such a shame because I I remember reading about how how much the cast and crew loved Snyder. Oh yeah, you know Affleck, Godot, all of them constantly talked about how much they enjoyed working with Snyder. Dude, Zack Snyder's the reason Ben Affleck even took up the role yeah. of Batman. Yeah, he was like I I. I don't know about this. Like, this is this is Batman. I thought I got my shot with Daredevil. I just, I don't know about comic book films. And then Zack Snyder was like, dude, this is what I have for Batman. This is what I want to do with Batman, which, again, we are going to discuss here with these storyboards. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he had a very specific way and story that he wanted to take with his version of Batman. And I think that's ultimately what Affleck signed on to do. And then when everything went and shit hit the fan with Justice League, he's like, this isn't what I signed up for. This, yeah, this bullshit. I got a lot I'm going out. on. I'm out. I got to take care of my own mental health, my own physical health. I got a lot of shit I got to deal with. Rightfully so. And then even like hearing everything that Ray Fisher has said in regards to Joss Whedon and uh, Jeff Johns, it yeah. was just it was like a wow. That was disgusting. It was gross. It to 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 read and find out that Joss Whedon treated this cast with just the utmost disrespect possible like oh my god and then to even have jeff johns act like an absolute coward oh we can't make joss matt dude what yeah you've got to be kidding me i was just dumbfounded at everything that had came out about these individuals and you know this is joss whedon the guy who did avengers and age of ultron (laughs) yeah yeah i watched that during covid funny enough during why'd my you, time why'd you, hurt, why'd you torture yourself even more hey you know i had a week you were already hurting i was <laughs> i was already more pain on yourself i was in pain i was like hey you know what i'm gonna rewatch the marvel cinematic universe <laughs> and I, I to my credit i i'm up to phase four i still need to finish wandavision and get through phase four but i'm kind of you know i'm back at work i'm doing other things and well that's besides the point but the point is like you know once Johns brought in Joss Whedon and they completely overchanged everything about that movie. It was just, I, I remember even just sitting in the theater just thinking, like, this is not a Zack Snyder movie. Nope. 
like this this doesn't at all add up with what happened in Batman versus Superman like I I I don't know what to say like the only thing I remember really having some kind of affection for was like the the post credit sequence with Deathstroke and Lex Luthor yeah yeah is really the only highlight <laughs> which to me feels like a Green Lantern Sinestro getting the yellow ring 2.0 mm-hmm. that, that's yeah. kind of what that feels like a false promise yeah but now, I remember I didn't go see uh, Justice League in theaters um, at the time and I remember I waited till it came out on Blu-ray and brought it home and went in the bedroom and watched it and then I remember coming out and my my now ex she's like oh how was it and I just kind of looked at it and I was like I, I, I don't know what I just watched <laughs> I don't know what that was just now it was an absolute tragedy is what that was and that's putting it nicely yeah like I remember back then hearing about like oh yeah there's going to be changes in the film but it's still going to mostly stick to Snyder's vision and all this stuff and I remember that movie ended and I'm like like you said it was not a Snyder movie did not feel like a Snyder movie whatsoever and everything was different. The tone was completely different. The lighting was even different. There was so much that I was just, none of this is adding up. There wasn't even a nightmare sequence. That's no. The thing. That's the thing that really kind of threw me for a loop. I was like, yeah. there's no hint to dark side. Like nope. you got you got one line. You got well, yeah. four, you got the four dark side when he's calling the boom tube or whatever. Yep. Like, that was the only time they even mentioned him in 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 the theatrical cut. And then after Snyder stepped away to deal with his family and be with his family and heal and learn and, you know, kind of collect himself, um, you know, I, I can even remember just some of the some of the evil things that comic book creators were saying when he mm-hmm. was off the project. Like when that news broke, some people were like, hallelujah, Zack Snyder is gone. It's just like you have no humanity whatsoever. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, like the amount of vitriol this man gets over making some superhero movies is yep. is just astonishing to me which is funny because i can think of some other superhero movies where you know that are 10 times worse than anything Zack Snyder's ever done in the DC realm that take with you let's not talk about that let's absolutely not talk about that edge lord <laughs> no it's it's just it's it's the unfortunate happenstance of what happens when misinformation makes the rounds in regards to a director and when things he says gets taken out of context and they they you know they have this when things get when things he says gets taken out of context and people like take what he says and go he doesn't understand batman he doesn't understand superman he's an and reindeer and it's just like you people don't understand his work at all like at all but i think that his plan the plan that he had the plan that him jim lee and jeff johns initially came up with was it would have been so much fun it would have been been pretty cool like there's there's one or two things in it that i'm i kind of raise an eyebrow at and i kind of think about and i think that's kind of the point of Mm -hmm. of of stuff like this is like you know you really have to kind of think sit back and think why the why of it right so these two films would have slated released had they been made shot back to back uh part justice league part two 
or rather Justice League 2, I guess you could call it, would have released in 2019, and then the last one would have released in 2020. In the storyboards, they are referred to as Parts 2 and 2A. Uh, Craig and I are going to go through each storyboard individually and just kind of break them down and talk about them, how we feel about them, how they make us feel in regards to each hero, in regards to what happens, what would have transpired, what could have been. That's essentially what the title of this episode is going to be. Justice League, what could have been. Um, Also, just as a reminder, uh, I am also part of the Foreigners Network. A couple of my friends are working on a motion comic uh, that does, in fact, adapt these storyboards in one way or another. And they are narrated, and they have a lot of art being worked on. Um, Andre Nicotina Show, he actually just announced the other, like, earlier this week, um, as of this recording, we were recording on September 11th, uh, Andre announced that they are going to do a, a... big old giant supercut of parts one and two part one has already been released it is on the four nerds network channel on youtube so if anyone wants to check it out by all means go check that out um but part two uh i know the release date but i'm not at liberty to disclose said release date so uh, keep an eye out for future updates in regards to that but part one is available on the four nerds channel for your own purviewing and i think it adapts up to the sixth storyboard the sixth or seventh one of those but um you know craig let me get just ask you like when i sent you these because i i had asked you before if you'd seen them prior to me sending them to you how how did you feel after seeing these storyboards after i sent them to you i mean it it just really pulls at my heart that like what a story we could have gotten just looking at these storyboards and seeing the direction that this story was going to take and seeing what these characters were going to go through and just seeing, I mean, getting to see the Snyder Cut, you know, last year, just really puts it in perspective of, man, this guy had such a unique vision for all of this. And it's it's just such a shame that it just didn't come together because, man, what what a journey this would have been. Yeah, and I think that's that's the part that kind of bums me out, too, because, you know, if you look at past versions of Batman and Superman, right? Like, if you look at Christopher, Christopher Reeve and... Richard Donner's version that was very very much their own stamp on it like that was their their version of it it didn't adhere to any specific comic book story or line like neither one of those movies adhered to any specific continuity that was established you know Michael Uslan went out of his way to be like I want to make a dark Batman movie I want to you know kind of shy away from the Adam West zany crazy Batman I want to do a dark serious take on Batman right and then you know we got Batman and Batman Returns, and then eventually the studio was like, okay, well, we want to make Batman a little bit more kid-friendly and sell more Happy Meals. And then we got yeah. Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, which, it's on good authority. I love Batman Forever. Batman mm. and Robin, I hold it in a bit of a higher regard now after watching <laughs> another certain movie from another director that I, that I do not feel like discussing here. Yeah. But I have a lot of admiration for those films because they are part of my childhood. But yeah. would I also say that they are definitive not quite would i say that they are faithful yeah actually i would i would absolutely say that batman forever and batman and robin are faithful to the character of batman it just depends on what other versions you're comparing it to they're the most popcorn flick of batman movies oh sure absolutely you know they take a lot of their cues from silver age stuff they take Uh a lot of their cues from adam west in a lot of regards you know it's goofy it's punny it's zany you you, drive through you could you could almost put bam smack pow 
Yeah, on, you really could. On Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, and it would probably probably be pretty funny. Oh no, I bet um like the uh the the fight scene between Batman and Robin in Batman and Robin uh, and the uh the goons on the ice skates. Oh. You take that scene and you just put the <laughs> in the background, yep. it would flow perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, I could absolutely see that happening. Or even like, you know, you go a little farther into the into the timeline, you know, in our in our real world timeline, you know, you come to like two thousand five, you get to Batman Begins in two thousand six, you get Superman Returns. Mm-hmm. You know, again, Christopher Nolan putting his own stamp on the character of Batman. You got Brian Singer coming in, he's kind of essentially redoing kind of what Donner did, making another spiritual successor into that universe, kind of ignoring Superman three and four and doing his own spin on Superman with, you know, Kevin Spacey as Lex Luthor, Brandon Routh as Superman, and then respectively on the other side, you've got Christian Bale donning the cape and cowl as Batman. You know, they had their own identity to them in regards to both director and main actor in the role, but also the tonality, especially with Christopher Nolan's take on the character. Like, it was a very grounded, gritty, real-world take on Batman. Yeah. And I think that really, you know... prompted matter of fact Christopher Nolan was also the one who brought in Zack Snyder to do the reboot of Superman after Superman Returns did not do what Warner Brothers wanted to do funny how things come full circle like that yeah and in that he gave me one of my absolute best superhero movies Man of Steel is that movie just hits my soul in terms of just how good it is I I know the, the problems people have with it I adore that film. You know, I was actually recently on another podcast, the I Love That Movie podcast with Lisa. Beautiful podcasters. Absolutely spectacular human being. Nothing but love for her. She runs a great show over there. You know, that was the movie I chose to talk about was Made of Steel Mm because I love that version of Superman. I love this version of Superman so much because it reignited my love for that character. And, you know, I've even mentioned here or even on my other show, Superhero Stress, or even also on, like, The Four Nerds, you know, I grew up watching, like, the Fleischer Studios cartoons. I grew up watching Superman the Animated Series. grew up watching Super Friends. And after reading these storyboards, I'm like, well, shit. Zack Snyder was basically doing adult Super Friends. He really was. Like, once we really dig into this and how far in, in regards to... Because this spans two; these two movies span literally an entire universe of characters. You have Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Flash, Cyborg, and of course Batman. But then there's also the revelation that Lex Luthor was going to come in and create his own Legion of Doom mm-hmm. in Justice League. I don't know if there was ever a, a definitive name for them. I think for just intensive purposes, I'm going to call them the Legion of Doom as we read these storyboards. But his Legion of Doom would have included. Um, Dr. Mara from Wonder Woman would have included um, Leonard Snart, Captain Cold, from the now-defunct Flash film that was supposed to be directed by Seth Graham Smith, later Rick Famuyiwa, and then, of course, Orm and Black Manta from Aquaman, and then, finally, the Riddler from the then-proposed Ben Affleck's version of Batman. Yep. Like, this was just... it. Like, I look at that lineup, and I'm like, yeah, that's a Super Friends lineup. And I, yeah, I don't, 100%. I don't, I, I don't mean that in a poke fun, haha kind of mm-hmm. way. I mean like, no, 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 that's Super Friends, and that's awesome. Like, I have no issue with any of those characters at all being on this Legion of Doom at all. And and their goal was to destroy the Justice League. 100%. It wasn't. 
wasn't it wasn't any like oh take over the world scheme or anything. No, no, no. They want to destroy these heroes. Not and not only that, the revelation that not only are they intending on destroying the heroes, they're going to destroy the Justice League so Darkseid can take over the planet. Yep. How is that not awesome? Yeah. Right? Like how how does that just not if you're a DC fan, how do you look at that and go, eh, no, what? Yeah. Okay. To each their own, for sure. But as as a hardcore DC fan, as a fan of Super Friends, as a fan of all these characters, as a fan from all these movies, to flash aside, because that movie has been pushed back and reworked ten ways to Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I personally would have lost my mind at all of this. I'm I'm just it's a shame that it's not gonna happen, but I think without further ado, we can get into the first storyboard. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So the first one reads as this. It is titled Justice League Parts 2 and 2A. And I'm just going to read it top to bottom. Although originally pitched as one film, we believe the character arcs of our heroes and villains. Is that a void? Awning? Okay, it's a long. The character arcs of our heroes and villains, along with the epic battle with Darkseid, which unite the League, the world, and the entire DC Universe, warranted two films. However, that does not mean that you have two films centered on Darkseid's invasion. Rather, Justice League 2 would have been a very grounded, personal, and character-driven film that would follow the Justice League both together and separately as they mend old wounds on the road to becoming better and stronger heroes, while Lex Luthor recruits a League of his own made up of revenge-driven villains introduced in the hero solo films dr maru from wonder woman 2017 leonard snart from the flash film when it was supposed to release in 2018 ormond black manta from aquaman and then of course the riddler from the batman these villains would link all of the dc films together like empire strikes back and the last harry potter films justice league 2 would end with a cliffhanger revealing only at the end of the film lex and his league are connected to dark side then flash forwarding five years into the future where dark side has taken earth I mean, we kind of talked about that in, you know, just minutes before reading this off. But yeah, I, I got to say, man, like the, I think they had a really solid structure in terms of what they wanted to do with these two films. Yeah. I mean, especially when you're, you know, citing things like Empire Strikes Back and the last two Harry Potter films. That's that's pretty that's a pretty high bar to me because Empire Strikes Back is arguably one of the greatest if not one of the best Star Wars films, if not the best Star Wars film ever made. And the last two Harry Potter films are, you know, they had a pretty high bar of in terms of popularity. They were the last two films in the franchise, you know, adapting Deathly Hallows into part one and part two, respectively. And the first part does, I don't know, a very sad cliffhanger with the death of Dobby. So I think when you take those films into account in regards to how they wanted to do this, these two Justice League films, it's just like, dude, wow. It yeah, even... it, it's interesting to see that, like, this story would have started, you know, the Justice League is together and they're working together, but there's still not, there's not like a solid foundation. You know, there is no Hall of Justice or anything right. like that. Right. You know, when they meet, they meet in the Batcave. So it's like they are still in the very early stages of, you know, being this group of superheroes. So it's not like, or jumping years into the future and, you know, they're very established and, you know, 
they're all united. You know, they're united in a sense, but it is still very fresh and very new to all of them. Well, I think that's a good point you brought up that there is no Hall of Justice because the ending of the Snyder Cut and even the theatrical cut to some extent, you know, the ending of the Snyder Cut absolutely alluded to the fact that there was going to be a Hall of Justice. Matter of fact, mm-hmm. even in, in the nightmare scene that, that Cyborg sees in the Snyder Cut, you know, there's a, a busted, you know, um, arc with the term Justice League on it. And that yeah. is very reminiscent of the Hall of Justice, depending on what version of it you follow, be it Super Friends, be it Justice League, the animated series, or even in the comics. Like that, that is for sure. It's either the Hall of Justice or it says the Justice League on it, depending on who writes whatever. But the fact that that was being built and established at the end of the Snyder Cut, and this is very much even taking it further, I like that. That that again, that DC fan of me is like, yes, I see mm-hmm. what you're doing, and I love it. Uh, the second part of the storyboard reads as such: the hero's arc through parts two and two A. Uh, next to, and you know, there are some graphics here. There's a Superman logo, Wonder Woman logo, the Aquaman logo, the Flash. Thunderbolt, Cyborg's logo, and then, of course, Batman drawn by Jim Lee at the very bottom of it. Uh, Superman with Lois's help, back from the dead. Uh, Superman will learn to become Clark Kent again, feeling more human than ever as he and Lois start a family. Uh, Wonder Woman will reconnect with the Amazons and her mother, eventually becoming their queen and resigning these isolationist warrior, reasoning with these isolationist warriors with the outside world. Rejoining, there we go, it says rejoining, God, I can't read for shit today. Uh, Rejoining these isolationist warriors with the outside world. Aquaman, with the help of Mira, will bring the seven kingdoms together, becoming the one true king, and building a new alliance between the ocean and the surface. The Flash will free himself from the past, releasing his father from prison with Cyborg's help, and learning how to master his time-traveling abilities, literally becoming able to be in two places at once. Cyborg will evolve both into the modern-day god of the digital age and into a human once again. And, of course, Batman will ultimately sacrifice his life for these unlikely friends and the woman he loves, leaving behind a legacy that will never truly die. So, I guess we can start with Superman's portion of this. Um, Back from the dead, he's going to discover himself as Clark Kent again, and, of course, Lois Lane starting a family with her. Um, Yeah. Reading further on of these storyboards... That family, well, depending on how you feel about the situation, because uh, that that is arguably one of the biggest sticking points. Later on in the storyboards, it's revealed that Lois Lane is actually nurturing the son who, the person who fathered the child was in fact Bruce Wayne. Uh And by the end of it, Superman would have in turn become an adoptive father, much like Jonathan Kent was to him. But this time it would have been to Bruce Wayne's child. Um, If you watch the Snyder Cut, though, it's pretty clear that Superman is the father of that child. Yeah. Snyder Cut, it's more Batman and Wonder Woman are kind of doing the more flirty kind Which of. I love, by the way. Me I'm too. A, I'm a Wonder Bat stand through and yep. through. Been Me a, too. Been a Wonder Bat stand since the old Justice League days. Yep. What is it? Oh, I, I had a dream. Like a. Almost like a premonition. It was the end of the world. Barry Allen was right here. And he said to me, Lois Lane is the key. She is. To Superman. Every heart has one. I think it's something more. 
something darker. Master Wayne. Master Wayne. You need to see this. Anyway, um, you know, I actually really like the idea of Superman being an adoptive father because that is reflective of his own history as an adoptive son. Yeah. You I would do. feel like he would, given what he's presented with, he would look at it and be like, now I get the chance to do what my father did for me. Right. And the fact Lois is still very much in love with Clark it, because the idea was that, you know, in the time that Superman died, Bruce and Lois found some common ground and that the end yeah. result would be the child. Yeah, and so, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, as we also find out in the storyboard, Lois Lane, well, actually, Lois Lane dying was revealed long before these storyboards were ever shown to the public. Oh, yeah. Lois Lane dying in the Batcave was actually said by Zack Snyder himself at the Zach, the Snyder Con, the Snyder Convention that they had in LA a couple years ago, where they showed um, Dawn of the Dead, Watchmen, and Batman vs Superman, because people were asking him, you know, what what he had intended to do, and he was talking about how you know Warner Brother after Batman v Superman came out, you know, Warner Brothers got cold feet and they wouldn't let him do the the crazy idea, and the crazy idea being uh, Lois Lane and Bruce Wayne conceiving a child together, and then Lois Lane promptly dying in the Batcave after being zapped by Darkseid's Omega beams. But we'll, yeah. we'll we'll get back to that as as we get closer to the storyboards. Um, moving on to Wonder Woman, reconnecting with her mother and taking the Amazons and rejoining them with the rest of the world. That to me, I feel like that sh that's like the plot of the third Wonder Woman movie. Yeah, that seems like a pretty big thing to tackle. So yeah, I do feel like there would have to be a whole movie to get that whole thing going. I mean, we're reintegrating the Amazons to the outside world. Right. That's uh, that's not something you can do in a in a five minute scene. Exactly. You know, this isn't this this particular point. I feel like isn't something that you can just kind of gloss over in, in this in this film because you yeah. know you've got Superman, Aquaman, Flash, and Cyborg on top of Batman to all kind of come together too with this and it's it's just really interesting to me how where some of these things could have happened because obviously excuse me obviously you know Leonard Snart was meant to be in the Legion of Doom he was meant to be the villain of the Flash film when primarily when Rick Famuyiwa was set to direct it I recall Rick Famuyiwa who's now directing a lot of Star Wars Mandalorian stuff for Lucasfilm. You know, when he was doing the Flash film, he wanted to do a more personal story. Honestly, he wanted to do something a little smaller scale. He wasn't going to try and make him this big time travel multiverse crazy character. He was trying to tell... fine with that. Yeah, he was trying to tell a much more through line, like, Flash movie, Flash villain, Flash story, and Cyborg would have also had a helping hand in that, too. And personally... I would have loved to see Captain Cold in a Flash film. I think that's Heck a, yeah. that's great. But I'm also a fan of Captain Cold because of Super Friends and a couple other things. Yeah. I do wonder if Len Snart would have been in the Flash film. Does that also 
I mean, if you put Leonard Snart in a Flash film, right, like, does that also mean you could include the rest of the rogues, like the top, Weather Wizard, um, God, who am I thinking of? Trickster, Mirror Master, like, there are a couple different characters you could easily do for the Flash, but I feel like having Len Snart be the mainstay, that feels very much in line, because when I think of the Flash, you know, I'm sure a lot of people would be pretty quick to say, oh, Reverse Flash. Reverse Flash, yeah. Zoom. Yeah, yeah, I, I do like Zoom from the Flash TV show, you're not wrong there. Yep. But yeah, going back to Wonder Woman, I do feel like like, like like that general plot point, I do know that this, as we get further into the storyboards, like there is a lot more with Dr. Mara and how she winds up on the island of Themyscira and how she plans on taking out Diana and the rest of the Themis, Themyscira and Amazonians. Um, but I also do think that there is room for this plot point in particular to take place in a, you know, maybe a second or third Wonder Woman movie before the second one turned into Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah, definitely a standalone film. But I don't know. I don't know what kind of plans Patty Jenkins has for that third Wonder Woman movie. Um, from what I understand, it's still being conceptualized, written, developed. I don't even know what the right word is. Um, moving on to Aquaman. Uh, as it's mentioned, with the help of Mira, we'll bring the seven kingdoms together, becoming the one true king, building a new alliance. Uh, becoming the king part happened in the 2018 movie. And as we've yeah. seen, you know, Orm and Black Manta were in that movie. Um, but that film, that what happens in that film and what happens here, it adds up to some extent, but it also kind of doesn't. Because Orm is sent off into prison, Black Manta is met by... Um, Oh, uh, Randall Park's character, Dr. Stephen Shin. There we go. They're in two different points because the initial idea was to have Orm and Black Manta locked up in prison together. Oh. By the end of Aquaman. At least that's as far as I know. Because mm. one of the other storyboards later on mentions that they do get broken out of an Arcotton prison in the desert somewhere. Oh. Which I'd have to wonder if that's where Orm is in the second film, if he's in some desert prison or not. I don't know. Aquaman Lost Kingdom comes out in 2023. We'll see. Maybe, if they decide to delay it again. Well, <laughs> not only that, my thought process behind what they're doing with DC Films now is, since Walter Hamada, at least from what I've seen, he has cherry-picked ideas from the storyboards and implemented some of them in the films. Hence, Black Manta and Orm for Aquaman. Uh, even the, 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 um, the, the, the second film, you know, uniting the seven kingdoms. It feels like that the second film is going to be something to that extent. He's going to uh -huh. be fighting Black Manta again, and you'd have to wonder if they're going to see, you know, the Lost Kingdom. I mean, it's titled The Lost Kingdom because there were only six shown in the first film. Yep. And then moving on to The Flash. He will free himself from the past, releasing his father from prison with Cyborg's help, learning how to master his time, traveling abilities, literally becoming to be able to two places at once. Um, I like this idea. I'm really, I'm just, if, if any of the solo films that are happening in wake of this that disappoint me the most, it's probably The Flashes. Yeah because it's not really following this at all. I mean, the only thing that really is I think getting pulled forward to the Flash film that we're going to see is it is going to center around him trying to 
get his father released from prison. That's the only thing I think that is staying. Yeah. But then again, everything else you got to have Mike Keaton, Batman, and all the other nonsense that's going to be in this film. But <laughs> uh, Barry trying to get his dad released from prison—that's been a mainstay thing in you know the comics and the TV show for a while. So that that part really doesn't surprise me. Um, the idea of being in two places at once, though, I can dig that. Yeah, that that is an interesting ability. Something that I never really thought of with the Flash, him being able to be at two places at once. And also, you'd have to think if there would be anyone able to help him get his father released from prison, Cyborg. Yeah, absolutely, Cyborg. Who has now? This, that's the one that really kind of maybe kind of raised my eyebrow. The fact that he's a modern day god of the digital age. So like. He has transcended. He is now able to do basically anything with technology now. That's the implication that I get, that that he is able to, you know, crack into any digital piece of technology, and so much so that it, that he can turn himself to human, human being, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, he, he was grafted with apocalyptic technology, the, the mother box. So, yeah. And as we saw in the Snyder Cut he was just beginning to learn how to master whatever he was able to do in, in, the, yeah. in the beginning of it anyway. So I, I also think that would have been explored in the now not happening cyborg film, which would have came out in 2020. Mm. Cause there was an old slate that had, you know, BVS suicide squad, wonder woman, justice league, and then justice league two and three, um, the Green Lantern Corps was in 2020. Cyborg was in 2020. The Flash was initially slated for 2018, along with the first Aquaman film. Shazam was also on that slate, too. Hmm. So I do wonder if they were trying to work Shazam into this somehow, somewhere, or not. I mean, despite the fact that he's not on these these boards, you'd have on to anything. imagine. Yeah. yeah, you'd have to imagine that, you know, there. The, the it does mention that, you know, there is a larger DC excuse me, an entire DC universe. So you'd have to imagine that Shazam would have likely been included in that to some extent or another. But that's just my guess. And then as for Batman, who will ultimately sacrifice his life for those unlikely friends, the, the woman he loves, leaving behind a legacy that would never truly die. That is very much the Dark Knight Returns mm-hmm. to a T. Except in the Dark Knight Returns, he fakes his death. This, he actually does die. Yeah. As we've seen. No faking a heart attack in this one. Nope. No, matter of fact, he actually takes an Omega Beam from Darkseid, Final Crisis yeah. style. All right. The next storyboard. This is the basic outline for what will, what would have been Justice League 2. Um, on this storyboard, you get a really solid sketch of all the members drawn by Jim Lee. Uh, going from left to right, Cyborg, The Flash, Wonder Woman, Superman, and Batman all dead in the center, and then Aquaman to the right of Batman. Um, the first portion of this reads, The Justice League United. We open with the Justice League in action during a natural disaster. Working as the efficient, powerful team, they've become weeks after Justice League 1. They act together, they save lives, but they're refugee. But they're refugees, so political, ten- political tension is high, the world is on edge. In the aftermath, the Justice League resides at only one headquarters they know, the Batcave. Flash is enthusiastic, Superman remains a bit distant, at least with Batman. Aquaman is facing a continued skepticism of the surface world and his involvement 
in by the people of Atlantis. Wonder Woman relates to Arthur, her people abandoned this world long ago. It is clear that although the League is united, the world is not. The League goes back to their individual lives to mend old wounds, except for Batman, who's dealing with fresh ones left alone in the cave. And then here's where things begin to get interesting. Bruce and Lois. Bruce secretly meets with Lois, both of them still searching for Lex Luthor. There's tension between them since Superman has returned. The meeting ends after Lois tells Bruce that Superman needs her more than ever. Bruce knows Lois is hiding something else. And then next after, the next point after that is Lex Luthor recruiting his own league. Meanwhile, deep in the Brazilian jungle, Lex locates Dr. Maru, last seen in the Wonder Woman standalone film, still alive, experimenting on herself, prolonging her life and testing new chemical weapons on unfortunate human lab rats. Like an obsessed stalker, Maru has spent decades collecting information and artifacts on Diana and the Amazons. Now that Diana has become known to the world, Lex offers Dr. Maru a chance at revenge. The same revenge he wants on Diana's friends, Superman and Batman. Maru accepts. Lex smiles, then let it begin. And then in the Atacama Desert, with Maru's help, Lex breaks Orm and Black Manta out of the desert prison where they were imprisoned at the end of Aquaman. Outside of Central City and Iron Heights Penitentiary, Lex finds Leonard Snart where he was left in the Flash and offers Len a chance to advance his weaponry and take down the fastest man alive. So. Lots um, of developments there. Oh, 100%. Now, in the beginning of this, you know, this is essentially, in my mind, how I would imagine the movie opens up, right? Like, the Justice League is handling some kind of natural disaster. Maybe it's some kind of massive typhoon. Maybe it's some kind of giant tornado. Or maybe it's, like, sun flares or, you know, tsunami tidal wave or an earthquake or something. I, I'm not entirely sure on what, what kind of natural disaster that would have been. Yeah. Um, knowing Zack Snyder, it probably would have been very real and very visceral and very effective. At least that that's just my guess. Um, it, as you mentioned earlier, the only headquarters they know is the Batcave. Yep. Because the Hall of Justice is not built yet. And there are even just... They're, they're still skeptical about their own feelings in regards to how they are perceived by the world. Especially, you know, Aquaman and, and Wonder Woman. Well, and given, like it says in the storyboard, that this is only a few weeks after the events of Justice League. Right. So even the world is probably still trying to recover and figure out, like, how do we respond to these superhumans? Like, we thought it was crazy enough that there was one flying around and that he was fighting, you know, a couple of his own people. Now we've got this superhuman woman. We've got this half man, half robot. We have this guy who apparently is from under the ocean where there's apparently other civilizations under the ocean, like all this stuff that the world would have to try to come to deal with in just the matter of a couple of weeks. Right. What does that look like? Because at that point, that's it's, chaos, honestly, it, it is. <laughs> and it's, it's a heightened version of what we would have seen in Batman versus Superman. It wouldn't have been a world council that would have, you know, resided and talked about Superman. No, we're talking about like United nations coming together and being like, yo, yeah, there's a robot man. There is a <laughs> dude who can run faster than the speed of light. There is an Amazon super strong warrior. Superman's back from the dead. The king of Atlantis is real. And they all answered a Batman. Yeah. <laughs> the United Nations is looking at this going, what are we doing? Yeah. What, what do we need to do? How do we react to this? How does the world react to this? 
I think that's a very interesting and parallel thing to do in regards to how Justice League 2 would have been perceived in, you know, in wake of Batman v Superman. Yeah. The, the, the United Nations would be looking at it and be like, you remember when, you know, that Superman guy fought that one dude and they leveled an entire city? And now we have more of these superhumans. And then someone points out, yeah, we should be thankful they fought in an abandoned nuclear plant in <laughs> yeah. Russia. Right? Yeah. And then, of course, there's, again, the Bruce and Lois thing that we... We yep. talked about right like he secretly meets with lois lane they're searching for lex luther because obviously at the end of justice league lex luther broke out of arkham asylum so now the top priority i think as far as batman's concerned is i need to get this sob back mm -hmm. behind bars look what he was able to do the, the last time exactly that's exactly it look at what he was able to do the first time he was set free or rather the, the first time he was able to unleash his machinations he made me fight yeah. superman he you know, create a doomsday. What what worse could he do? He and then, he, he pulled a Mars attacks and blew up Congress. Yeah, in, in yeah, a yeah, way, <laughs> yeah, you're you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And then promptly we see what he's up to this time, and it is very yeah. much this is this is the version of Lex Luthor I've been waiting to see for a long time. Mm -hmm. Like you know, when I read the storyboard, I can easily see Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor going in the Brazilian jungle, like his yacht is somewhere down in South America or Brazil, yeah. right? Like he's down there and he sees some like kind of ancient temple or something. And he's found Dr. Maru who's been experimenting on herself. The, the real, and I, I, I'm kind of fanning fanboying here a little bit, but the real kicker to me would be like, what if Dr. Maru was in like some Aztec ancient temple or something, or not even Aztec, some ancient temple. And the thing she's experimenting with is Rachel Ghoul's Lazarus pit. That'd be sick. Right? Like, how has she been able to stay along this time? What's yeah. the only logical thing I could think of that comes to yeah. mind in a DC universe? The Lazarus pit. Mm -hmm. And what if I'll take it a step further. What if she reverse engineers the Lazarus pit to be able to take out Amazons and kill them as a, some kind of super poison? Well, I mean, it says that she's been experimenting on what? What is it saying here? Living, living human rats. Human rat. Human human, human lab, lab rats. rats. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> and the fact that he comes to her, and is like, "Yeah, you know, Wonder Woman kind of saved your life, right?" But at that point, she cost you all of your research. She cost you mm -hmm. your life's work. What if I had an opportunity for you to get back at her? <laughs> of yeah. course. Dr. Maru? Yeah, absolutely. Here, have a Jolly Rancher. <laughs> <laughs> he still has a bag of Jolly Ranchers. That would that would make me laugh, I'm not going to lie. And the fact that they're the ones who break Orm and Black Manta out of the Akatama Desert. Ata mm -hmm. at Atacama. It's Atacama. I really got to get that right. But the fact that they're being imprisoned in a desert. For Black Manta, that's probably not much. It's probably hot. Probably mm -hmm. sucks, but for Orm, Orm, yeah, that's a bit much. Yeah, oh yeah, you've got to imagine He's... it's like a, it's like a Mister Freeze in Arkham situation, except the only difference is it's like Orm is sitting behind like a a water spout and just like kind of licking it for water as he gets <laughs> yeah. it or something like that. Yeah, and then of course you know the biggest one here, or I wouldn't even say the biggest, but the other you know kind of departure is that there's Leonard Snart in Iron Heights Penitentiary in Central City, where he was left in the Flash. And Iron yeah. Heights is also the prison that his father is imprisoned in as well. Which, 
I, I'm really, really curious to see, like, what does a Flash vs. Captain Cold fight look like in a Flash movie? And it's not happening. Yeah. And then there's also a nice little illustration down here, like, above, you know, the top side of it is, is the League, the Cyborg, Flash, Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman, and Aquaman, and then at the bottom, you have... Leonard Legion Snart. Doom. Yeah, the Legion of Doom. You've got Leonard Snart, Dr. Maru, Lex Luthor in the center, and then, of course, Black Manta and Orm all in form, I guess would be yeah. the best way to say it. Luthor looking like an absolute badass. Oh, for sure. Like, when I say this is Super Friends Lex Luthor, this, that, that's absolutely Super yeah. Friends Lex Luthor. Okay. Intercut Lex Luthor and the villains with Justice League returning to their lives. We are on the third storyboard now. And then right in the middle of this is a big old board, like right in the center of it, there is Wonder Woman stabbing Superman with some kind of giant sword. Presumably this is hinting at some kind of nightmarish future. Yeah, with this uh, this helmet that she's wearing that very much reminds me of Steppenwolf. Kind of looks like Steppenwolf, kind of looks like Ares. I'm not really sure which one, mm-hmm. but it's definitely one of that. So, the storyboard says as such, as it's written... In Metropolis, Superman asked Lois when she was going to tell him, and he and she says, tell you what, Clark? Superman says he can hear the second heartbeat, and she shouldn't call him Clark. Clark is dead. The world believes that, too. Superman mistakes Lois's hesitation for fear. I won't hurt you, he says. At the Louvre in Paris, Diana and Manila... I'm going to butcher this. I'm sorry, but this is another Amazon... Uh, the Amazon who came to warn Diana about Steppenwolf, Minopoli, Minal, Minalipi? Men, Menalip? Men, I'm not sure, yeah. Men, Menalipi? <laughs> Discover there may be a way to remember the path of Themyscira. Diana must use the lasso on herself to unlock her mind. It is a dangerous process, but by Diana wants to help Menalipi home, and Diana wants to see her mother again, even if she might reject her. Diana puts the lasso on, and suddenly she's overwhelmed by visions. In the beginning, there's wonderful for the first time in over a century. Diana sees her home soaring over the island. She sees the Amazons, and finally her mother. But then her vision grows dark. Diana sees herself as the god of war in a battle with Superman, and she kills him. Diana cries out. Menelope frees Diana from the lasso. Despite the pain and confusion, Diana remembers the way home. In a central city courthouse, Barry is at a hearing. Thanks to Cyborg, Iris, and a troop of lawyers from Wayne, the state has examined new evidence that Barry and Victor have presented and agree to reopen Henry Allen's case. Barry is elated. That's funny that he got, uh, that Bruce gave him a bunch of lawyers. (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, that is, that's pretty on, on point for Bruce Wayne. I, I would imagine. I could I could see that scene just playing out in the film, you know, uh, Cyborg and Flash are sitting there and they're like, OK, so we've got this evidence. How are we going to present it? You know, how are we going to go up against these guys? And then the door opens and just all these lawyers pile into the room and they go, uh, yeah, we're here uh, by order of uh, Mr. Wayne. Uh, we're here to assist you with your case. Are you Barry Allen? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you? We're your lawyers. Um. I, I, I didn't hire any any lawyers. No, you didn't. Bruce Wayne did. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, that makes sense. Right? And then along an underwater continental shelf, Aquaman and Mera are in a violent battle with the last of the seven kingdoms, the Unseen. It explodes around tidal pools and active volcano lava flows. Arthur has the seventh king on the ground, his trident at his throat. The seventh king tells him to kill him. 
Arthur says he wants an alliance, but the seventh kingdom refuses. Arthur leaves frustrated. The last kingdom refuses to unite. Then in the Batcave, Cyborg upgrades the cave, even providing a female AI voice for Alfred. Oh. I must have missed that part. Yeah. Who has become a father Alfred's figure. He's got his own Siri. Right? <laughs> yeah. What if her name's Peg? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who has become a father figure of sorts looking at the empty cave around them cyborg asks alfred why he's never home and alfred solemnly replies because then he'd have to face himself i like I, I like that kind of that alfred has become like a father figure to cyborg that's an interesting dynamic well given what happens at the end of the snyder cut it's yeah yeah very much so in, in, in wake of losing victor stone or sorry silas stone mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and then the last bit of the whiteboard reads Batman and Lois Lane on the hunt for Lex Luthor. Batman moves deep into the Canadian wilderness doing a recon, following up on a lead that Lex may have been sighted in one of the remote towns. He fights his way through a secret location only to discover not Lex Luthor hiding out, but the Riddler. Awake for days, maybe weeks, Riddler has a long, unkept beard, his fingernails dirty, his rantings written across the walls of his cabin. He looks at Batman, a man possessed. Luthor asks the question, I had to know the answer. Lois is also on Luthor's trail. She locates Dr. Maru's lair in the Brazilian jungle. Lois writes everything in her journal, keeping it offline and private. She grows pale as she realizes who Dr. Maru is and what Lex might be up to. He's forming a team of his own. Now, this is a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. The Riddler stuff is especially interesting. Oh, the Riddler stuff only gets more interesting as we we move forward. But to kind of kick things off, you know, Superman is very much in the idea and the headspace that that Clark Kent is dead. He doesn't need to exist and that Superman Mm -hmm. is the only thing that should matter now. Which, honestly, is kind of a stepping stone to where he winds up in the nightmare future. Yeah. It's also kind of, it's interesting that he takes that kind of leap because given that Batman is normally the one that juggles with, you know, who do I rely on more, Bruce Wayne or Batman? So mm-hmm. it's interesting that you've got this situation where Superman's just like, nah, my alter ego is, my human self is gone. I am Superman. Exactly. And that, I think, is, again, like I like I just said, it's like a, it's the stepping stone to where he winds up in regards to the nightmare future because if he's disregarding his human self and he only sees himself as superman then that's really the only thing that matters he if he disregards his own humanity and lois lane is liz is his last link to humanity Mm -hmm. then what's left when she's gone superman right and what is Superman. Superman is the all-powerful being who can do astonishing things and has all this power. But what happens when that power is left unchecked? What happens when that power is corrupted? He can destroy an entire planet. Exactly. And then even like the the idea that Diana, using the lasso of truth on herself, and she now sees a vision of herself, like stabbing Superman. Because if you think about like, well, in the nightmare future, who could be the only one to really take him out? Diana is clearly the logical choice even though if she's the god of war because it does mention that she does die in in a later storyboard but if she's going to die as all Greek myths happen she becomes the god of war she rebirths herself as such so 
I would imagine that if she were to be the one to kill Superman, it would absolutely probably have to be after Superman has found and located Batman, Flash, Cyborg, Mera, and Deadshot, and destroyed them all, and she's only left with the world and him, and she takes him out, and, well, that's murder she wrote. Hmm. But, um, <clears throat> the fact that she puts the lasso on herself to find her home, that is interesting to me, because yeah. that, I think, might have been... I think it's either alluded to or might have even been changed, given if, depending on how you interpret her her last piece in the Snyder Cut, where she's holding the arrow and looking out onto the sea. Yeah. So. I don't know. The idea of her becoming the God of War, though, I'm about that. Yeah, that is very interesting. That yeah. That's a concept that I honestly never really even thought about before. I know it happened in the later it was either the later half of new 52 or rebirth she for sure becomes the goddess of war mm. like she totally usurps the mantle from Ares in some fashion or another i don't remember which era of dc comics it happened in but i know for sure for a time diana was the goddess of war so that feels like a fresher pull for more recent continuity mm. and then you know you know we already talked about the courthouse barry getting his team of lawyers from bruce <laughs> you know i'm just kind of curious like what what kind of evidence would cyborg be able to drum up from you know to get henry released you'd have to imagine yeah. you'd have to imagine that if he was like out getting groceries or something or other like there would have to be some kind of video footage that cyborg would have to like pull from an aged old server yeah I security think... camera footage or something like that right that would be the only logical thing I could think of because when I, if you think about how Cyborg is able to pull up evidence and you think about how what happened in the Snyder Cut, like how he was able to help that, that woman and, you know, help her get out of eviction and, you know, basically. Yeah, just, he just transferred a bunch of money to her account. Which apparently is illegal and apparently mm -hmm. not very heroic and apparently uh, out of character. Uh, yeah, right. Exactly. And then, like, even getting into Aquaman's section where he's battling it out with the Unseen and he's got his trident on the Seventh King, but he's showing him mercy. Like, look, dude, I, mm -hmm. I won an alliance. And the, the last, the Seventh King is like, no, kill me. I'd rather die than align myself with you. And Arthur's just like, fine, the hell with you, and walks yeah. away. You got to figure that d that doesn't help his skepticism at all of becoming a no. king. Yeah. And then cyborg creating a female ai for alfred <laughs> no, yeah that's funny i'm gonna call it peg just because peg. just because it it fits he probably would call it peg i'm i'm thinking he'd probably call it peg or barbara just kidding no no just kidding just kidding i'm just kidding you know come to think of it i don't ever think i've ever seen alfred with a love interest outside of the the animated series yeah i don't think i've ever no I can't think of a time where he ever had a love interest besides, uh, what was that woman's name? Was it Betty? Something like that? Marjorie? Yeah, something like something that. Something like that, yeah. I know for sure he's got a niece named Julia. Hmm. Julia Pennyworth. I know she's definitely a, a character in canon. In comics canon, I should say. Oh, well, maybe he has a love interest in the Pennyworth show. <clears throat> I don't care. I, I don't I, care I, at I, all. I, I've, yeah, I'm not a Pennyworth guy. 
the, yeah. the TV show specifically. I love Alfred Penny with the character. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not. No, <laughs> I'm yeah, good. No. I'm, I'm good off Pennyworth. But I think you know that if you're a Batman fan, that this bit about Batman going into the Canadian wilderness and doing recon and then finding out that you know it's not Lex Luthor who's been hiding; it's been the Riddler the entire time. It's like, whoa. Yeah. How do you feel about like the Riddler hiding in the Canadian wilderness and then being super cryptic to Batman in regards? You know, Luthor asked the question; I had to know the answer. Well, and the fact that, I mean, he walks in and, like, it says, like, he's got the equations and everything just scribble. I'm imagining him in this, like, you know, probably, like, this dilapidated cabin or something, and it's just covered with notes and books and scribbles and just nonsense all over the place. And the fact that, like, he's got, like, a scraggly beard and his nails are dirty, so he's just become so obsessed with what he's working on. So you're immediately like, uh, this is this is bad news. I mean, if you have the Riddler to a point where he's not even grooming himself, because yeah. in, in, in most cases, if anyone's ever seen the Riddler, he's more more often than not pretty clean cut, pretty dapper, yep. pretty, you know, pretty. He, care, he cares about his personal appearance. <laughs> yeah, to, to, to one extent or less. Yeah, he does absolutely care about his, his appearance. Yeah. But here, you know, this version is one who's literally just been driven up a wall pure yep. insanity style like he's you know his hair's super long he's got a pretty sheveled beard and then even lois lane i think this is actually pretty interesting where she's writing it down everything down in an offline private journal mm-hmm. like rorschach style from watchmen yeah she doesn't want to risk having it online anywhere right because you know word burn might blow it up on the internet shotgun it all over the internet right <laughs> you know truth be told though you think she would work with uh, cyborg and cyborg could like i don't know protect the data or something like that i mean given uh, that he's a he's a living electronic uh, god i don't know not <laughs> not if it's apocalyptic technology yeah very true all right moving on to storyboard number four there are some pretty cool illustrations here in the top right corner we've got uh the riddler again as we mentioned with long cheveled hair a bit of a beard he's holding a batarang he's got ropes around his wrist he's even got the riddler mark underneath his eye i like that yeah i like that a lot and then beneath that is uh presumably diana back on themiscira and then down at the bottom we have dark side and desaad hmm interesting hmm. Okay, fourth storyboard opens up as such. Back in the Canadian wilderness, Batman faces off against the Riddler. He tells Bruce about how Lex coming to him for information. Lex presented the anti-life equation, the riddle of life itself, and the Riddler solved it. He knows what it can do, and once it's unlocked, Lex will make life meaningless, and the Riddler raises a gun, points it at his head, and says, Time to solve the last riddle, Batman. Blam! Kills himself. That's crazy. That's... Bananas. That scene alone would have been bananas to see. In oh, theaters. dude, you would have, you would have had Batman fans ever. Oh, Zack Snyder yeah. made the Riddler yeah. kill himself, and it's like, mm, yeah, yeah. So what? Big deal. Yeah, this would have been. This probably would have been one of the uh, the the moments that would divide many people. Like I'm thinking along the lines of like you know Superman breaking Zod's neck. Like oh. this would have been this oh. would have been a point of contention for a lot of people. Oh, hundred percent. This this would have been exactly that. This would have been you'd have Batman purists 
crying. Losing their minds. Losing their minds, crying, having hiss fits, making giant threads on Twitter. Zack Snyder doesn't understand the Riddler. Yeah. How could you do that to the Riddler in the only movie he's introduced in? Well, well, he would have been introduced in the solo Batman film. So This, this would have been the point in the movie where anyone that was angry about like it didn't matter the rest of the movie could be an epic masterpiece and they would say that not the rest of the movie's crap after this oh for sure now my my thought is since ben affleck was doing the batman movie and he wanted deathstroke to be the main antagonist and the riddler was so awesome right and and the riddler is gonna be in this i'm just like well, if Deathstroke's the main antagonist and Riddler's mm-hmm. your side antagonist, like, what does that story entail? Sure. I want to know how that yeah. works. I really want to know how that works. But yeah, the the idea of him, excuse me, blowing his head off after figuring yeah. out the anti-life equation, that's the biggest FU he could give to Batman. Mm-hmm. I figured it out, but you're never going to get any information from me. Yep. Blam. And, I mean, he solved the greatest riddle in the history of time. So there is no need for him to go on. Now, I'm sure someone would ask the question, how does the Riddler come in contact with Lex Luthor? And my answer is easy. It's called Arkham Asylum. Yeah. And also it's Lex freaking Luthor. Exactly. The dude has money and power to do whatever he wants with whoever he wants. I'm going to kind of fanboy here again, but I also feel like if you were to do any kind of flashbacks of any of, you know, if, because, Zack Snyder does do like out of out of out of order storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. If you were going to do flashbacks of Luthor's time in Arkham Asylum, if there were to be one person he could meet in Arkham, more than likely would be the Riddler. Oh yeah, for sure. That that's my guess. All right. The next portion of this reads: The Justice League members unite with their families. Wonder Woman and Menelope arrive in Themyscira. Diana's unsure about her mother's reaction will be but a tearful and overjoyed Hippolyta embraces her the queen declares there will be a celebration unlike any other in Amazon history her daughter is home in the ocean Aquaman and Mira bring the final kingdom of the seen the unseen into their alliance for the first time since Atlantis sank it is once again united in Central City for the first time since he was a kid there was no walls of glass between Barry and his father Henry Allen is released from prison exonerated Barry's about to tell his father who he is in Metropolis Lois Lane returns to Superman tells him that she accepts Clark is gone but he has to still go on the trail of Lex yeah right in Gotham Batman returns from the wilderness shaken by the Riddler's proclamation intercut with Lois Lane discovering from General Swanwick that Lex has the three mother boxes in quotes oh no I mean, yeah, I feel like uh, Batman would be a little shook up, you know, watching the Riddler shoot himself in the head. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, when it comes to adapting these characters in live action, you know, it's not going to be hunky-dory in a comic book. Like, Mm -hmm. I've seen comics where Batman's watched people, you know, off themselves, and he's... Oh, yeah. It's not like it doesn't affect him, right? Yeah. So when one of his longtime rogues villains is, is... It not only leaves him a cryptic message that leads to a haunting future that he's been having nightmares about Mm -hmm. he's gonna react in a way that's 
you know, it's not like he's going to brush it off. Like Batman, most more often than not, has often been the stoic person who can handle pretty much anything. I mean, he's witnessed murder in front of his eyes. It's the, it's the reason he became who he was. But at the same time, like, as the world is presented, as we've seen it in these films, or what would have been these films, this, this is on unprecedented territory for him because... As far as these villains go, you know, Batman, Joker, or, you know, sorry, Riddler, Joker, Two-Face, Catwoman, Poison Ivy, Mr. Freeze, like, he beats the shit out of them and then throws them in Arkham and that's it. He's, uh-huh. and you can only do that for so long before one of them, or any of them for that matter, like, do something where he's caught off guard by it. And this is one of those times. And not only is this one of those times, but this is in a moment where he's on the trail of someone who could do some major damage to not only him, but the rest of his friends. And this is just further proving that point and driving it home. Well, and again, too, it's he's seen this Riddler in a completely different way than he's probably ever encountered him. You know, he finds the Riddler he's expecting, like we said, the suave, you know, genius with, you know, the menacing smile and all that. And instead he finds this like almost like homeless looking dude Mm -hmm. who has, you know, probably not taking care of himself for a while he's completely disheveled and he's just in this cabin with all of this nonsense scribbled everywhere yeah and you'd have to figure and then to follow it up with a bang to the head right and you'd have to imagine like those scribbles are absolutely at least in my mind it's the anti-life equation as yeah. it's as it's written mm-hmm. out as such that it has been written in, in a few different books. Like, I know for yeah. sure it's prominent in Final Crisis. Mm-hmm. Like, the anti-life equation is written out verbatim in Final Crisis, if I'm not mistaken. All right. The last portion of this storyboard reads, Lex activate his plan. Uh, at the Three Rivers, helicopters survey the area. Lex is on scene. His team is elsewhere but in contact with him. Lex activate the boxes, his true plan, to destroy the Justice League and take the secret power called the Anti-Life Equation for his own. It will give him power over all living life. The Anti-Life Equation glows as Lex turns on the boxes. Cyborg blinks, feeling a horrible emptiness as the influx of data strops. It stops for the first time since he has first went online. A boom tube erupts in front of Lex Luthor, surprising him. Emerging from the portal is Desaad, the horrified, sadistic servant of his master, Darkseid, who emerges behind him. Darkseid takes the power of the anti-life equation for himself. What a scene that would have been. Now, at the end of the Snyder Cut, Desaad tells Darkseid, Master, the boxes have been destroyed. How will we get them now? And Darkseid mm-hmm. just looks at him and goes, Use ready the to the Ready to the Armada. We will use the old ways. And it's like, well, if they're under the impression that the boxes have been destroyed and then all of a sudden the boxes get activated again, mm-hmm. of course, a boom tube's going to open up and Darkseid's going to be like, oh, hello. I'm coming through. Yep. And when you have such an unexpected, you know, appearance, appearance like that, Darkseid comes through and you're Lex Luthor like, hey, I'm going to take this life from my... No, 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 no. No, 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 no. You don't understand what Pandora's box you just opened up, pal. Yep. And I think this would be the one time probably ever we would see Darkseid smile. I think he would be grinning as he takes the anti-life equation. This is going to be the reverse of what happened at the end of 
or not at the end of, but in that one episode of Justice League where Luthor presents the anti-life equation to Darkseid and Darkseid just kind of walks towards it in a trance, right? Like, no, yeah. no, this is going to be that, but it's actually going to happen. And I think yeah. you're right. I think Darkseid would absolutely smile at this. I'm just kind of curious what the look on Lex Luthor's face would be. Oh, he'd be, he'd be shitting himself. <laughs> oh, probably. Oh, I'd, I'd only imagine so. Actually, no, he's not. Because in the next storyboard, it does reveal what happens as such. Okay, Superman vs. Darkseid. This is on storyboard number five. In the Batcave, Superman, Batman, and Lois regroup. They learn of Darkseid's arrival. Superman tells Batman that this is a fight among the gods. She's my world, he tells Bruce. Protect her. Superman flies off to confront Darkseid. After Superman leaves, Bruce and Lois argue... Bruce knows she's pregnant. Lois ends the argument by telling Bruce Wayne, you're not the father. She tries to tell Bruce about what she's discovered with Lex's planning, but he won't listen. At the Three Rivers, talking in Darkseid's arrival, Lex tells Darkseid that Darks he tells Darkseid that Darkseid has the power to kill Superman. Darkseid moves forward, acknowledging Lex. He says that Lex, I don't want him dead. I want Superman to submit. The girl, says Lex. She says the key. She's the key to breaking his spirit. Superman arrives and a battle with Darkseid erupts. And then there's a big, nice, yeah. almost splash page drawing of Superman and just punching the crap out of Darkseid per Jim Lee. And then the second half of the storyboard reads, but Darkseid booms to Lois, presumably boom tubes to the Batcave. The Batcave collapses around her, and Batman at his arrival. Bruce looks down as Darkseid and Lois from behind the glass wall above. Darkseid stares at Lois. Bruce is overwhelmed. What can he do? Superman flies at an incredible speed to Gotham. He arrives just in time to see Darkseid unleash his Omega beams from his eyes, turning Lois Lane into ash. Super Superman cries out and his soul shatters. Grief-stricken, he makes tear Darkseid apart, but Darkseid gazes at him, the power of the anti-life coursing through his veins. Superman stops. His mind is infected by Darkseid. Bruce, wa Bruce watches all of this in horror. Superman grabs his head in pain, eyes burning. That, that picture of Lois half skeleton, half <laughs> basically evaporating. Right. Woof. Like, this was, part of this was shown in the Snyder Cut. Like, mm -hmm. this was seen in the Snyder Cut. Like, th this this very point of Superman holding a the, the corpse of Lois Lane as he gets taken by the anti-life equation. I feel like if you're a Superman fan, your heart just broke into a thousand different pieces. Yeah. In that, you know, Superman and Lois, they've, they, like, this has been the relationship that is, that kept the glue together for the, for, you know, the, those three movies from Man of Steel to BVS to Zack Snyder's Justice League. And then once you get to this part of the story and you just see this happen, you're just like, oh, oh no. Mm -hmm. Like, this is, I don't even want to be the guy to be the comparison, but this is on the same level as the majority of Earth's mightiest heroes getting snapped away by Thanos. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, if... And that's coming from someone who is invested in the story that they'd been telling up to that point. Yeah. And in this sense, you know... I, I mean, if I saw this, I'd probably cry my eyes out. Yeah. Shed a tear. Mouth... Hand over mouth type of deal. Just... Beside myself. But I will also say... 
I would pay good money to watch Superman kick the crap out of Darkseid for a, good, a couple <laughs> yeah. minutes before all this. Yeah. It's it's Rachel getting blown up in the Dark Knight, but on a on, you know ten times more powerful. Oh, one hundred percent. And even like seeing, you know, Bruce and Lois, you know, having to have it out in the Batcave, and he's just being kind of arrogant about all of this. It, it, this kind of stems from, you know a little bit of Batman versus Superman too. Like he, he's, he's arrogant, but in a completely different manner in a completely different situation because in Batman versus Superman, he was arrogant in regards to Superman's existence. Now he's being arrogant about the existence of a child. Yeah. You know, and now questioning whether or not the child was his and kind of having that be the forefront of his, his own failure, I suppose would be the best way to say it because you know, as soon as Darkseid boom tubes into that Batcave, he's looking like a helpless fool. Like, uh, mm-hmm. uh, 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 what do I, I do? I, I got nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing. He can't use a spirit kryptonite on Darkseid. So nope. what is he going to do? Right? Like, what yep. can he do? Like, he's thinking in that moment, like, what do I do? Right? Yep. And even, you know, in the center of it, you know, there's that big Superman punch in Darkseid. But then at the bottom you really do see like dark side using his omega beams you see a blacked out superman and then above them i think you would see i want to say that's lex luthor and then maybe behind him is one of his guards but and also you know i would really like to see luthor and dark side share that that conversation oh yeah for I sure would, i would love to see that especially you know cuz it's you know in my mind anyway it's it's Jesse Eisenberg and Ray Porter having that conversation Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And I just, man, this would have been a hell of a movie to watch. Yeah. And things get drastically worse from here. Moving on to the sixth storyboard, the Justice League under attack. Before Lois is able to warn everyone, Lex signals his team to attack. On Themyscira, Doctor Morrow unleashes a chemical gas that over covers the entire island, kills the Amazons, Diana, and her mother. Oh, sorry kills Diana in her mother's arms. Maru dies herself, a sick and twisted smile on her face. In Atlantis, Orm and Black Manta attack the coronation, killing Arthur, Mera barely surviving herself and gets a cut across her face. In Central City, Leonard Snart attacks Flash with his amped up weapons courtesy of Lex Luthor. Cyborg is blown in half, saving Barry, losing it. Cyborg is saving Barry, but loses his lower half in the process. Back in the Batcave, Batman watches in horror as Darkseid takes full control of Superman. Superman turns on Batman, and he barely escapes. Lex believes he has won, but he comes face-to-face with Superman. He looks at Lex with burning red eyes and lights him on fire. Jeez. As Lex screams, the world goes red, and then we cut to five years later. Sand dunes, smoldering solar pits, gothic spires rising from the desert. Once, this was Gotham now like the rest of earth it belongs to dark side coming over the dune a post-apocalyptic looking batman as seen in batman versus superman the ragtag army of rebels the surviving members of the justice league walk over the rise of a dune to see the dilapidated wayne manor batman leads them flash drags what's left a cyborg behind him bruce looks up to the sky grimly we need to get inside before night he's coming end part one beginning of the nightmare sequence <laughs> the, and yeah this is certainly 
you see a lot of this at the end of the Snyder Cut. You mm-hmm. absolutely see Batman, Flash, Mira, Cyborg, who's not blown to shit in half, by, by the way. Um, and in favor of Death, in favor of Deadshot, they swapped it for Deathstroke and the Joker. Mm-hmm. Which that additional photography took place in the height of COVID in October of 2020. Which I think they only had a couple weeks to shoot that stuff anyway. But in this initial... In the initial idea was... Cyborg was getting... Cyborg was only half of himself. Barry Allen was essentially... It's Bruce and Barry that are really the only ones that are left. I mean, you know, Mara has taken it up to be the... the Atlantean of this team, but then you factor in Deadshot from Suicide Squad, it's like, bro. Yeah. This world really has gone to shit if Batman has to work with the world's number one assassin to try and save it. Yep. But I see this... I want to say this was actually leaked well before the Snyder... Right after the Snyder Cut was announced, and some people thought that this was going to be, like, the ending of it. And to some extent, it was. I'm just, I'm imagining Superman lighting Lex on fire. That's just, whew. Yeah, that's definitely an image I would have paid money to see. Watch Jesse Eisenberg's Lex, who was so arrogant and so confident in himself, stare down the eyes of the being that he wanted to destroy, and he instead gets destroyed by him. Right. And that in and of itself is like, almost a first full circle situation he's like you know i couldn't kill you the first time but now i've broken your spirit haha what are you gonna do about it and superman's like oh we're well past the point of talking this out we're well past the point of doing anything you're going to die like it's not even it wouldn't even be superman speaking necessarily because he's Mm -mm. being corrupted by the anti-life equation and you know there'd be no words it would be lex talking to him maybe but superman would not say a word right and it's so funny to me that that people are so quick to just be like, I don't like the idea of an evil Superman. It's like, well, y'all praised the shit out of Homelander. Mm-hmm. Y'all had no problem with it in Injustice. Man, so, Injustice where he freaking punched through the Joker's stomach. Right. And ripped his heart out. <laughs> now, one can make the argument, well, you know, as a Superman's first cinematic outing, and I'm like, uh, 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 asterisk. Mm-hmm. This is Man. not Superman's first cinematic outing. We've had five movies mm-hmm. of him being a damn Boy Scout. Yep. But I digress. Superman fans are just as fickle as Batman fans are, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I do give credit. I did like... Uh, I, I enjoyed it when I went to go see Superman Returns back in the day, but I think it was more just the fact that I was finally going to be able to watch a Superman movie on the big screen and getting to hear the Superman theme in the theater was, it, it gave me goosebumps, but man, that is just cookie cutter Superman. And it was so boring. I was so bored during that movie. <laughs> that, that movie was... is so dull. That was the first Superman movie I ever saw in a movie theater. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, me too. And then I got Man of Steel and I was happy. Yeah. I remember those days. Man, that is that movie is the definition of just boring. <laughs> I was so bored. You know, I'm I think I'm right there with you in that I was kind of like I wasn't necessarily looking at my watch, but I was just like I was really unimpressed. Yeah. Like it is 
and that you know that's no that's no disrespect to Brandon Routh and not at he, all. What... He actually in the role of Superman, he was great. Mm-hmm. They just didn't give him anything to do. Not at all. Like you could argue that the airplane sequence and the bullet to the eye are probably the most noteworthy yeah. thing, but even then, that's not really him doing anything. That's just more of a a point to the writing. You know, okay, there's a few nice well-written sequences in there but you know the where i really checked out of superman returns was when he lived in the giant island of kryptonite i Me was too. like yeah, yeah i was like <laughs> no that's not how that works my my breaking point was watching him get beat up by kumar <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that, that was... was there's absolutely no fighting in that film whatsoever the only scene where there's any kind of physicality is when he's weakened by kryptonite and Kumar and Lex Luthor's goons beat him up for a little bit. I mean, it's really unfortunate too, because like another high point of that movie is Kevin Spacey as Lex Luthor, but Kevin Spacey is a slimy human being Mm -hmm. Yep, in the real world, which is unfortunate. Although Jesse Eisenberg is like one of the most intellectual down to earth dudes and he gets crapped on, 10 ways to Sunday almost every day for playing that role. Uh, and he's, uh, he's such a good Lex Luthor. He's my favorite Lex Luthor. I yep, have no he's problem mine as well. Yep. I have no problem saying that he is my favorite Lex Luthor in a movie. Yep. Emphasis on the fact that I said in a movie, because mm-hmm. <laughs> there are a lot of really great actors that have portrayed Lex Luthor over the years. I mean, immediately coming to mind, you know, you've got Michael Rosenbaum, you've got Clancy Brown, even, even more recently, like John Cryer, mm-hmm. like John Cryer is a pretty fantastic Lex Luthor. But in terms of, like, what I personally love out of Lex Luthor, the version we're reading about now, I'm like, yep, that's 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 my Lex, leader and of the that, leader of the Legion of Doom. And that Lex got evaporated. Yes, he did. He got turned well, to fire. Well, and actually, yeah, that's that's the thing. It they made it specific to say that when Lois got hit by the Omega Beam, she turned to ash. No, Lex gets put on fire. Like Superman wants him to suffer. I mean, yes, but that is also in part due to, you know, Darkseid's Omega Beams. Yes, Literally, yeah. they, they, they turn people to ash, whereas yeah. Superman has, like, straight-up heat vision. He's going to set yeah. you on fire. And I got to imagine he wasn't going—he didn't do it slow. I mean, he didn't oh. do it fast. He did it slow. <laughs> oh, more than likely. He probably shot him at his feet and made his way up. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. <clears throat> We are now on storyboard number seven, and this is, um, it's titled Justice League 2A, but I'm pretty confident it would have been called, like, Justice League 3 or Justice League United or something like that. I I honestly, I feel like there would have been subtitles. They wouldn't have gone, like, you know, Justice League part two, part one, two, part, no. They, They would have been subtitles. That's my thought of it, anyway. Uh, so in this storyboard, we have uh, two illustrations from Jim Lee. Towards the center of it, you've got Batman, Deadshot, Flash, Mira, half of Cyborg, and Green Lantern. I was going to say the little <laughs> the whatever's left of Cyborg down right. there. And then at the very bottom, you have Mira holding Arthur's trident with two water buckets because there is literally hardly any water left in the planet. So this storyboard. Green Lantern is titled Justice League 2A, as I mentioned, would have released in 2020. Uh, Green Lantern comes to a post-Darkseid Earth. We open by introducing Green Lantern to the Justice League film universe. He's inside his ship, crashing to Earth, desperately trying to make contact with someone, anyone. But there's no response, only static. The ship crashes hard, disoriented. 
Lantern hears someone outside opening the door. A silhouette figure peers in. It's Batman. Right off the bat, you're starting the movie off by introducing Green Lantern. How freaking epic would that have been? Oh, it's not epic enough because he wasn't introduced in the first two movies. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's the the sticking point I see from fanboys, is that he wasn't introduced early enough. Uh... But... I digress. I, I, I agree. I think that's actually a pretty nice way of introducing a new character for setting up mm-hmm. this story. Um, opening on the five years later, scene at the end of Justice League 2, parademons converge on top of the ship, Batman defending Lantern, then an unexpected ally assists, Deadshot firing at the parademons. In the post-Dark Side world, Deadshot is teamed up with the Dark Knight. Then they are joined by the Flash, which is then responded by Batman to, literally, Batman barks at the Flash to stay out of the fight. Barry is too important to this mission to risk getting hurt. Flash saves Batman, which is cocky, but is soon overwhelmed by parademons. Flash is almost killed, but Lantern saves him. The iconic friendship between the two beginning. Now, if you're a fan of Green Lantern and Flash, that would have probably been like your oh shit moment. Yeah. Right there in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And by the looks of it, this is this is Hal Jordan's Green Lantern. Now, from what I understand, the ending of the Snyder Cut was supposed to be a little bit different. Because at the end of the movie, we get Martian Manhunter visiting Bruce Wayne to tell him that Darkseid's still invading Earth. Yeah, but it was supposed to be the Green Lantern, wasn't it? It was not only supposed to be the Green Lantern, it was supposed to be Jon Stewart. Ah, uh, okay. The actor was cast. It was actually a gentleman named Wayne T. Carr was cast in the role for that part. But Warner told Zack, you can't use Green Lantern because we're using him for another project. That was over two years ago. They still haven't done shit at all with the Green Lantern. Anyway. I bet they're not going to, knowing them right now, they're not going to do anything with they him. Were, they, they were just effing with him. I would imagine they were still just trying to screw with him. Stupid ridiculous absolutely asinine like the green lantern being introduced at the end of the snyder cut hello yeah right yeah anyway lantern looks across the earth analyzing it with his reign he explains to them who he is and who the green lantern corpse is or was how he came here looking for his partner from earth who's missing and presumed dead like most of the lanterns dark side's army is paving the way across the universe in the sky the Big Dipper constellation is missing two stars. Batman says that all the stars will go out because of what's happening on Earth. The sun is setting. Batman says they need to move. Underneath that first illustration, there is another tag, plot point, uh, Justice League regroup. Batman, Deadshot, Flash, and Lantern return to the League's hidden base camp under Wayne Manor. Mara joins them, walking to the camp across the desert with Arthur's trident slung across her shoulders, carrying two buckets of water. Mara remarks she's had to venture further outside of camp to locate drinkable water. Oof. Now, obviously, since we've been talking about Aquaman and Mara, that means we've been talking, presumably, mm. about yeah Amber Heard. Amber Heard, yep. Which, I mean, look, everything that has happened between her and Johnny Depp that happened in a courtroom, if she's an evil person, she's absolutely probably an evil person. That I'm gonna sound like a hypocrite here. Art artist. Mm. I liked her as Mara. Matter of fact, I still enjoy her as Mara. And you know what? On the other side of that coin, there are a lot of people who look at Johnny Depp and they do the same exact thing. Art, oh yeah, for artist, hundred sure. mm-hmm. percent. 
Now, I will also say that that relationship was toxic in and of itself, and they probably shouldn't have been together, period, bar none, end of conversation there. But I could absolutely see this team of people doing this thing. And honestly, I really like the the, the illustration here from Jim Lee. I really like the way Meryl looks. It's a mm-hmm. complete far cry from the way she looked at the end of the Snyder Cut. But, you know, I I enjoy this. I mean, this is a more battle-hardened, more probably angry more frustrated mira oh for sure she's superbly angry i mean even the line at the end of the snyder Cut, she's like who have you ever loved yeah you know like she's obviously very bitter at the fact that her husband was killed in a coerced concentrated attack by you know lex luthor orman and black manta yep so i can understand her bitterness and also you know the illustration of them like coming out of like a I would imagine it kind of looks like a decrepit bridge or something in Gotham City. It's and of probably, course, yeah, it's probably like maybe like underneath the maybe it's like the entrance, the underground entrance to Wayne Manor. Yeah. And Batman's holding a gun. Yeah. What a what a Justice League that is. Quite the Nightmare League. <laughs> yeah. Quite the Nightmare League. Now, imagine if hypothetically here, imagine if Snyder did come back and got to make versions of these movies but as the continuity from the snyder cut continued because you wouldn't i don't think you'd get dead you might get dead shot but you'd also get deathstroke and you'd also get the joker yeah which i'm just thinking to myself like oh god what does that look like what <laughs> what does a nightmare movie with this team look like along with the joker yeah i don't know but i'd sure love to see it all right. Now, this storyboard is entirely, we're on the eighth one. This is entirely all script, no illustrations. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Bruce explains his operation to Green Lantern. They are planning on a move that will end Darkseid's reign on Earth. Lantern doesn't think they have a shot. He wants to repair his ship and try and find any surviving members of the Corps. Lantern wonders what the Justice League could do to stop Darkseid. The Last Supper of the Justice League. Reveal post-Darkside Cyborg, now half a man, able to plug into machinery, hanging in the Batcave, working on massive technology, a cosmic treadmill, a very prominent thing used in comics regarding the Flash. They will help the Flash jump back in time, to what end, Lantern asks. Cyborg tells Lantern the specifics of how time travel work. It's very uncontrollable, and even if they can get the Flash to travel back, they can only try this once a year. So the Earth will be in the very same spot and the Flash doesn't jump into said bedrock. Solid bedrock. Flash shrugs, or space. In order to operate it, they need to steal a mother box from Darkseid's army, and they know where one is. But once they power this machine up, they'll get his attention. Lantern asks, who? Mara answers, a Darkseid-controlled Superman. Even Lantern has heard of the Kryptonian, worried that he's under control of Darkseid. He heard his spirit was unbreakable. Deadshot goes on. Across the world, beyond parademons, nearly the entire population has fallen to the anti-life equation, their minds being completely controlled by Darkseid. Deadshot says he remembers when his daughter was taken. It haunts him. Worse than death. They need to move soon. The planet alignment is tomorrow night, where Earth will be in the same place it was when Bruce first saw Flash in the Batcave. If they don't jump then, they won't have another opportunity for it for an entire year. The plan is that Barry will warn Batman 
so they can be prepared. But the Flash will only have 10 to 15 seconds before he is taken apart. So what can he say in that amount of time to Bruce? They all agree it's simply, you have to stop Lex. If Lex is stopped, Darkseid will never come here and Lex will never slaughter the Justice League. Afterwards, Bruce pulls Barry aside. Bruce tells him that it won't work. He was trying to stop Lex already. Flash has to say something else. Bruce says this is his fault. In a rare moment of vulnerability, Bruce admits she was Superman's world. I believe I broke that connection. Bruce whispers in Barry's ear and Flash's eyes go wide. Flash can't help but say, no way. Bruce responds, tell me that. It will change everything. The mission. The mission starts at dawn. In a Fury Road-inspired Batmobile, the Justice League, Batman, Green Lantern, Deadshot, and Mera break into the stronghold, a cathedral swarming with anti-life-controlled people, Darkseid soldiers. Human priests kneel at the mother box. Batman says as soon as they get the mother box, Superman will attack them. Uh, we'll be aware of them. Be aware of them. There we go. Sorry. Back at the Batcave, Cyborg and Flash are preparing the Flash's jump. Cyborg makes it clear that Flash won't have much time. He needs to deliver the message before it crumbles into nothingness. But if Barry succeeds, it won't matter. None of this will have ever mattered. Batman and the others steal the mother box, then make a dead run back to the cave as the Flash and Cyborg prepare for Barry's jump. Superman is in pursuit. Ooh, that's a lot. <laughs> that is quite a bit. That is a lot. You're, you're right. That is quite the... Well, that's, that's, that's certainly something. I do like that they... I like the way they interpret time travel in this. I feel like time travel too often in most media, in most comic books, and everything else, it's very just like, oh, you just go back in the past and you fix things. This is very much like, no, you have to be exact. We have to do this at the exact right time. You're only going to have a couple of seconds. Mm -hmm. We have to make sure we are precise on this. Otherwise, you will... You could end up in the middle of just like the ground when you travel back in time. Right. Like yeah. I, I really like that they did that. It makes it makes the mission seem even more important. Well, you know, it also kind of helps you understand how the Flash is the only one able to do so because in the yeah. Snyder Cut, you know, he's able to reverse time by just a few seconds with his own power. Yeah. And depending on what happens in his solo movie coming out next year. We're going to see what happens when it's on full force. We're going to mm -hmm. see what happens when it's on a bigger scale. But in order to do like a full on like big giant scale time travel situation, mm -hmm. he's not going to be able to do it on his own power. He has, he no. needs, he needs like a essentially needs like a, like a spark if you will. Yeah. Which is kind of a parallel of how they brought back Superman. Yep. But or now, how I mean, or how he saved, you know, <laughs> the entirety of everything in right. Justice League the first. Right. And I like how Lantern's the one who's the skeptic of it all. He's like, "Yeah, you guys don't have a shot. <laughs> yeah, this ain't gonna work." Well, and for him to find out, you know, they tell him like, "Oh yeah, no, uh, Superman serves Darkseid," and Green Lantern's like, "Well, wait." Superman serves Darkseid. I thought that guy's spirit couldn't be broken. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm right there with you in regards to time travel too, because like, I I'm, I agree because time travel gets a little 
well, you know, people always go back to Back to the Future. And I'm like, mm, yep. yeah, I get it. Um, but I do like the idea that the world needs to be in the same exact spot that it was in, mm-hmm. that, that it was prior to where you need to go. I think that's an interesting way of interpreting it. I mean, not to compare them, obviously, but I mean, look at Endgame. Once they figured out how to time travel, they just all traveled back in time, no problem, and started going on their journey. It made sense for that, but at the same time, it's like you look at this and it's like it just it makes the situation that much more dire. Right. They have only one shot, and if they miss this one shot and they screw it up, they have to wait for another year. Or if they mess it up in terms of the trajectory or anything like that, Flash dies and they're completely screwed. Yeah, if Flash dies, this whole plan gets shot to shit, period. Yeah, because <clears throat> none of them are able to do this. He's the only one who's able to do it, yeah. And, um, you know, even just the conversation that he has with, with Batman, Batman telling him something in his ear and his eyes go wide, we find out what it is in a, in one of the next few storyboards, but the fact that he's just, he's dumbfounded by this, he's like, mm-hmm. no way. You did what? <laughs> I think that's pretty... I, I think it, it makes sense, but I also think about what what would have... what could happen, what would have happened if we say we got... you know, in the event Zack Snyder did come back and do these sequels, what would he say to Flash now to, when, when he sends him back? Because obviously, the child is Superman's in as we know it now so yeah. what what would he say to bruce to you know i honestly think it would probably be the same thing yeah i think so i think i think it would be the same thing that he said in in justice league yeah. B- bvs yeah in or B- bvs yeah, yeah, yeah. in, in right. bvs because obviously you know he has to say it but the way it's when he says it yeah because if he goes back this time it's going to be when Bruce is in the Batcave and Lois is down below, presumably about to get blasted by Darkseid. Like, Lois Lane is the key, and it dawns on Batman, oh, okay, I get it now, huh? Yeah. But th- this Fury Road-inspired Batmobile... Yeah, I love that. I love that description. I'm just, like, thinking to myself, is that, like, a modified version of the tank from The Dark Knight Returns that we it saw? It has to be. It has that's, to be, right? That's what I'm thinking, too. It has to be that. It's Zack Snyder's interpretation of the Bat Tank. Right. I mean, only something that large could probably plow through, you yeah. know, parademons and such. Now, here's an interesting idea, is that the mother boxes are again broken up on Earth and one is in their vicinity. That's an interesting concept to play with. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Superman immediately becomes aware when one is like moved out of place that that's that's another connection there to the anti-life equation yep yeah because he has he's been influenced by the anti-life equation he obviously has a connection to the mother boxes now right kind of like cyborg in that regard yep which when i think of cyborg being hooked up in the bat cave i'm kind of inclined to think it's um like Justice League Dark Apocalypse War style where he's the, the, the source wall. He's like kind of yeah. hooked up that way. Yep. That's my that's my thought of it. Okay. 
moving on to the next storyboard, number nine. And this doesn't have any uh, illustrations either. It's just uh, all plot point dialogue transcript. So, Superman arrives and faces off against the Justice League. From a tower, Deadshot fires a kryptonite bullet at Superman's back, but Superman dodges it. Batman dash edge Deadshot over his communicator. What happened? Deadshot tells Batman, this better work. This better save my daughter. Superman flies through the tower and kills Deadshot. Right off the bat, Deadshot's gone. A good death is its own reward. Mm-hmm. Mara tries to remove the water from Superman. He crushes her. Oh, Jesus. Oh, man. That's that's rough. That's See, really... the, only, the way he crushes her, that's got to be like... I mean, I'm imagining like invincible situation. I mean, he's grabbing her head and he just... I'm thinking I'm thinking a little bit more like grabs her by the throat and just maybe yeah one good snap snap yeah Yeah. and then this next part I thought was just ingenious Green Lantern fires his ring at Superman but he sends his corrupt heat vision into the ring and then the ring explodes along with Green Lantern's arm with it man this is that (laughs) okay so if Riddler blowing his head off in the second movie was going to be the thing that got fans in a tizzy. (laughs) This is, yep. (laughs) Green Lantern's arm gets blown off. Yeah. This is for sure the thing that gets fans in a, Oh no, in the, in the matter, in the matter of a couple of minutes, Deadshot and Mira are dead and Green Lantern's arm has been blown off. Mm -hmm. All right. Last, we have Cyborg. Cyborg does what he can against Superman as Flash prepares to jump. Just after Cyborg activates the machine, Superman tosses him to the parademons. They tear him apart. Oh, my God. That is... That's merciless. Well, and, like, it says there, Cyborg does what he can against Superman. What can he do? He's half a... He's a torso. You'd have to (laughs) imagine he's got to be hooked up to some kind of defense mechanism or some kind of machine gun or something to that. I'm not entirely sure. Then finally, it's Batman facing off against Superman. The Flash runs hard on the machine, seconds away from the... Oh, oh, excuse me. Uh, Batman is armed with the Kryptonite Spear. The very same one from Batman v Superman, I'd have to imagine. Uh, But Superman impales Batman with it. As these two heroes struggle, the Flash races as fast as he can, exploding through time just before Superman reaches him. The Flash races back in time. Flash is pulled through time. Then, we're with Bruce and Lois... As they first argue in jail too, you're not the father. Lois storms out of the Batcave when the Flash arrives, landing in this Justice League 2 moment, not the moment from Batman vs. Superman. He tells Bruce what he didn't hear before, what Bruce whispered in Flash's ear. Lois lied to you. You're the father. After delivering this message, the Flash vanishes from existence. Lois comes down, trying to reconnect with Bruce, who is still rearing from the information. Again, Lois is insisting he listens to her. This time he does. She tells him Lex has a plan to take out the Justice League. Working together, they discover his attack plans against the Justice League. Suddenly, Darkseid's boom tube opens, water pouring into the cave again. Darkseid looks at Lois, Bruce looking down from above the glass again. But this time, Bruce goes into action. Smashing through the glass, throwing himself in front of Darkseid's omega beams as he moves Lois out of the way. He's struck by them, crying out, but he survives. That's insane. He yeah. survives the mega beam. Right. Uh, yeah, that's. Yeah, that is certainly something, isn't it? Mm. Must be fortitude or willpower, one or the other. 
So Superman or arrives. Motherfucking Batman. <laughs> Write that down. That <laughs> one twenty. Okay. But you're right. He is indeed the mother effing Batman. So of course he would survive an Omega Beam from Darkseid. So. At this point, Superman arrives in time to see Batman injured, flies into a rage, but instead of being broken, he's empowered, angry. Superman puts Darkseid on his heels, and Darkseid is forced to retreat. Lois then tells Superman he has to warn the others. Lex has a plan. With the information from Lois on Lex on Lex's Injustice League, well, I guess they're called the there Injustice League, yep. the Legion of Doom, I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> Superman saves the League, stopping... Maru from releasing the gas on Themyscira, Orm and Black Manta from killing Aquaman, and Len from taking out Cyborg. Meanwhile, Bruce reveals to Lois that he's alive. Although he's alive, he was hit. There is a darkness growing across his body. He's in pain. But they need to keep fighting. He tells Lois as he boards the Batplane, I could have had a life outside of this cave with you. Bruce leaves across the world. Now... If it wasn't Green Lantern getting his arm blown off, this is yeah. definitely the line that people would have lost their mind at. Yeah, for sure. Well, Batman, Lois Lane, that's uh, it's too crazy. It's not canon. Uh, actually, it is. Canon in this world. It's canon in this, would have been this world. It's also canon in um, an old Silver Age book. I don't remember exactly what book it was, but there is, in fact, a book where uh, Bruce Wayne and Lois Lane do wind up together and they wind up having a child and Superman's super happy for him. Yeah. I don't remember the exact book it was, but... Well, it's yeah. like we've talked about before. They have flirted in the past. I mean, the animated series, Batman flirted... Bruce Wayne flirted with Lois Lane all the time. But Craig, it's sacrilege. Superman uh, belongs uh, with Lois Lane. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. I, I feel like... And here it, again, this is the thing that kind of chaps my ass about all of this is like, you know, Tim Burton was allowed creative reign to do what he want, wanted. Christopher Nolan was allowed creative reign mm -hmm. to do what he wanted. Hell, Matt Reeves was for sure allowed creative yeah. reign to do what he wanted. But I will also say Matt Reeves fought to get his creative control, arguably because of what happened to Zack Snyder in these films. I mean, good on him for fighting for it. Absolutely. I just really wish that people would have been more open-minded in regards to this instead of, you know, just wanting things to be like Marvel Studios. Yep. I digress. But I I really would have liked to see Superman just tear through the Nightmare League in seconds. Good that would Lord, have been, yeah. That would have been just something else. Mirror getting crushed. Deadshot. I'm assuming when it says he flies through the building, I'm guessing he probably flew through Deadshot. <laughs> I'm imagining more he flew through the center of the tower and the tower crumbled. But it fell, yeah. Yeah. Probably. And then Green Lantern getting his ring blown off and his arm with it, that's just... I, I, I can visualize that very well. Because you can like see it getting all bubbly and mm -hmm. boily and just wow, blood spoiling everywhere. Yeah, I could see that. And then the Flash jumping through time. What does that look like? Especially on the cosmic treadmill. Yeah. Better yet, what does the cosmic treadmill look like? As long as it's as beautiful, I mean, I still, man, I, that scene of him running back in Snyder, in the Snyder Cut. Ah, Speed Force, yes. That, that still gives me just absolute goosebumps. I adore that scene. So if it can be on the caliber of that, I'm all for it. Same. And then even like him getting into the Batwing or the Batplane, whatever the hell he calls it, 
leaves across the world. Mm-hmm. I could have had a life outside of this cave with you. Yep. All. That's adorable. After getting shot with a freaking Omega Beam. Right after taking a Dark Side launched Omega Beam. That is just oomph. Big oomph, Bruce Wayne. But, you know, this really does feel like the the, the, the moment where you feel like things are going to get better from here, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is what that feels like. All it's right. the turning point. It is. And the, this is a turning point because on the yep. we're now on the 10th storyboard. The first half of this storyboard is just covered with, like, a green, the green Lantern core. Yeah. Right? Like, you've got the Green Lantern core, you've got airplanes, you've got ships, you've got presumably a battle ensuing and then um the little bit here because the other half is all uh text and plot point so the first bit says the earth unites against dark side dark side's full and skate full scale invasion begins it's too much for the justice league to handle on their own but they won't have to led and inspired by superman the countries of the world come together armies air forces and navies Wonder Woman and her mother lead the Amazons of Themyscira to join the war. In the oceans, Aquaman pleads to the Seven Kingdoms, declaring there is an eighth, the surface world, and they must not, they must be allies, not enemies. The Seven Kingdoms rise to join the Amazons and the surface. The entire world becomes a Justice League. In a Lord of the Rings-like finale, the history of the three armies that first battled Darkseid echoes itself today. The world of men, the Amazons, and the Atlanteans. As the battle continues... Green Lantern joins the fight along with alien Green Lantern cores. In this, you see Kilowog, you see Tomar Ray, you see a couple other Green Lanterns off in the background as well. You also see them fighting some parademons. Oh, wow, you even actually see in the ocean, you see the Carathon too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or some giant octopus squid-like creature. Yeah. It's the entire DC Universe together for the first time on a scale unlike any that's ever been seen, battling to save the world together. During the battle, Hippolyta dies, saving her daughter, proud of what she has done. I mean, if that just doesn't get you excited to see something like this, what an epic this would have been. I mean, he always envisioned these Justice League movies in a Lord of the Rings-ish kind of scale. I mean, mm-hmm. if you've seen the Snyder Code, it's absolutely like that. Yeah. And even just thinking about, like, what the what would have been the length of these movies... I mean, if, if you really wanted to fit all of this, all of these, into two movies, you're looking at, like, four-hour movies. Yeah, three and a half, probably getting closer to four. 100%, yeah. Absolutely. Especially with, you know, you're dealing with six different characters and you're trying to juggle, you know, Atlantean, Amazon, the human race, you know, Flash, Cyborg, Batman, and everything going on with Superman and Wonder Woman, or Superman and Lois Lane. Yeah, it would probably these movies would have been like three or four hour epics, definitely. And I mean, just the scale of this battle, this battle alone would probably be a good hour long. I got to imagine. Oh, this is two towers level. Yeah, hour almost hour long battle, definitely. And the fact, like he like he says in there, all the nations of the freaking world are uniting with them. So you have armies from across the world joining in on this battle Mm -hmm. every army every navy every single like navy every everything like all the armies of the world my guy and it is certainly something along with the amazonians along with the atlanteans (laughs) along with the green lantern corps and the other members of the justice league right and the green lantern corps comes out from space too that's yeah 
That would have been epic. That would have been along the line. That would have been like a Captain Marvel arriving at Endgame scene. And this, and this is also why you would get the Green Lanterns after the second or third Justice League movie. Yeah, they can't just come in. If if they were to come in before that, it it wouldn't work with the flow of the storyline. Right. All right. This is the 11th storyboard. The Flash is able to move so quickly he masters his powers, existing in two places at once. Unstoppable, he takes out an entire army by himself. Damn. Wow. And then Cyborg is able to overpower the Mother Boxes, taking control of them and... Triggering. Triggering a chain reaction that destroys them, weakening Darkseid. It's ultimately a dying Batman who sacrifices himself to save the League and the world, destroying Darkseid. And then... In I this, wish they would elaborate on that more. I want to know how he destroys Darkseid. Right. I'm kind of right there with you. I want to see exactly how that happens. And in this illustration, I almost want to say that the character that they have here next to Batman is Blue Beetle. That's what I'm kind of thinking, too. Because you do see, at first I thought it was a parademon, but you can definitely tell this character that is to the uh, to the right of Batman is definitely different than the parademons that are flying around on the right side. I mean, it absolutely could be Cyborg, too. Yeah, very possible. But, you know, they're also surrounded by planes, parademons. Yeah. So it's it's it's, it's a little interesting how, how all this went down. Yeah. And then it says, in the aftermath, Diana becomes the new queen of the Amazons, leading to the rejoin leading them to rejoin the outside world and restore and inspire peace uh, within the with the amazons at her side diana negotiates peace between the countries of the world unlike anything in history arthur is recognized by the kingdoms as the true king he is helped unite the world the skepticism over his human heritage not only gone but replaced with admiration cyborg evolves becoming a god of the digital age and able to transform himself to even look human again and then finally, Lois mourns Bruce's death. Superman looks closer, realizing that the that Lois, Lois is that caring. Lo, that Lois is carrying Bruce's child. Lois admits it, but he already knows. Maybe he always did. He says he says what he needed to, but he doesn't he doesn't shy away. Instead, he embraces Lois and her unborn child. He was a reason to be Clark again. Wow. Yeah. How about that? Superman finds his humanity. What do you know? In it's that almost situation. almost like a flip-flop of the Batman story. Huh. Oh, it's parallel. How about know? that? How about that? It's almost like Snyder had a really congruent and, you know, detailed plot going. Oh, what a shock. <laughs> what do you know? It's almost like the dude can direct superhero movies. I absolutely agree with that. So, I'm curious to see how, or what Cyborg, how he would have evolved. And what, yeah. How Becoming a god of the happens. digital age, and then he's able to, so he can make himself look human, but what does being a god of the digital age, I'm guessing he can just, it's almost like he has a, uh, like he's a living AI, like he can just access anything, mm -hmm. is what I'm guessing. That would be my guess, yeah. Maybe he maybe he's able to uh, evolve our technology, thereby like helping the world. Yeah, something along those happen. lines. Yeah, absolutely. Especially how it says here that you know Diana was able to literally bring peace to the world 
Mm-hmm. I got to imagine. So then Cyborg steps in and goes, okay, we're all, everyone is at peace. I'm going to bring our technology. You know, maybe he, with his technology advancements, we're able to solve, you know, world hunger or, you know, anything like that. Maybe he, maybe he disables all nuclear weapons or something along those lines. He probably deactivates all of them. Yeah. And then Arthur being recognized by the kingdoms as the true king and his human heritage being embraced with admiration i like that yeah. a lot because that was a that was a pretty large sticking point in the first aquaman movie is he, mm-hmm. was, he was like chastised for being half human this is this is a very like i'm this is major return of the king ending vibes here oh 100 percent. and then again you know superman embracing his humanity again through the you know the child that isn't quite his but he decides to adopt as his in a, in a sense yeah i like that and uh, you know diana bringing the amazonians back in and integrating them into the world again (laughs) amazonians walking around in our world i'm okay with that Mm -hmm. all right the final storyboard now the top half of it has dark side superman wonder woman and arthur all going to attack dark side it's presumably his last stand yeah it's probably the final towards the end of the battle and then on the bottom you get like this um you get this shot of the new Batman, but it's in like a, um, I don't remember what the the correlation is with the with the body and the arms. It's um, it's it, it, that's um Da Vinci, da Vinci, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So the last storyboard reads: Twenty years later. Twenty years later, after a memorial common commemorating the Batman sacrifice, Commissioner Barbara Gordon asks Lois. What are you going to tell him? Referring to telling Lois's son the truth about his father. The first time in decades, crime is returning to Gotham, and it needs the Batman again. Various Justice League members, like Martian Manhunter, are present. Lois Lane takes her son to the Batcave, reveals the truth that his father was Bruce Wayne, Batman. In Gotham, rising from the shadows and out into the moonlight, we meet the all-new Batman. End. What a way to end it. And, you know, I like that idea. I think his name, I think, would have been, like, Bruce Jonathan Kent, something like probably, that. Probably, yeah, it probably would have been something like, maybe even just Jonathan. Mm-hmm. I could see that happening, too. I, I could see Bruce wanting that. He wouldn't want his son named after himself. Yeah, that's almost a little too on the nose. Yeah. Jonathan John- Bruce. Jonathan Wayne. Jonathan Bruce Kent, I think, was what... Snyder might have mentioned somewhere online, but I I can see that I don't know for sure. But here's my crazy idea. Now, since it was pretty much established in the Snyder cut that Superman was the father of that child, what if the new Batman, if there were to be one, if you follow pretty much everything almost exactly the same, but you just change the relationship with Batman and Wonder Woman, had the powers of Superman not even had the powers of superman he'd be like more like a modern day hercules yeah that'd be something but i yeah. know i know that would just send fans in a giant tizzy like this would oh like, yeah th- this is arguably the one thing that, that a lot of people had an issue with was the fact that you know bruce wayne and lois lane were you know the, the parentage of the new batman and and you know i'm i'm for it i think it would have been different it would have been a mm-hmm. lot different than what we would have seen before 
specifically as far as Batman goes. And just we don't, come on, people. We don't have to follow the source material all the time, right? It's right. okay to do new things. It's actually quite refreshing to do new things. I must say, Jim Lee went super hard on some of this artwork. He dude. did. This artwork is fantastic, and he did it all with like dry erase pens too. Mm-hmm. And that's that's difficult. Like that's really I, difficult to get stuff like this done on on a dry erase board. But he did it. Like, I love the panel with the Lantern Corps and the armies of the world, you know, battling above a destroyed city. I mean, honestly, I just really like the way the, the, the final one has Darkseid on it and he's standing yeah. on a cliff and it's just so crisp for, for a yep. blackboard or whiteboard drawing. Yeah, that's crazy. And even, like, seeing Superman in the background and Wonder Woman and Aquaman coming out on the other side, like, man, this... This would have been something to see. I'm telling you, man, these movies would have been something else. Divisive, possibly, but they would have definitely yeah. made their made their mark. If this would have been what we got, I would have been I would have been a happy camper. Same. Absolutely same. And the funny thing is, like, there was going to be a second flash film, presumably after this, and that would have likely followed flashpoint and that would have given warner brothers free reign to do whatever they wanted after mm-hmm. this right yeah but no they they just had to be reactionary after justice league and batman versus superman so ridiculous here we are just reminiscing on what could have been but no this was a lot of fun i had i enjoyed myself quite a bit getting to talk through these storyboards with you kirk yeah it was fun. I really enjoyed it. And, you know, there is another story that kind of tackles, like, what happens when the Justice League gets destroyed. Mm-hmm. Or not destroyed, but when they get attacked. Which we will do on our next episode. Yes, indeed. That will be the commentary to <laughs> Justice League Doom, which turned 20 this year in February, I, I want to say. I think is when it was released initially in 2012. So, we got that coming down the pipeline i'm sure we're going to talk about more batman the animated series at some point too we're trying to plan a fun crossover that's on my fault because i haven't hit up the people that we want to get on the crossover yet so i take, <laughs> I, I take full responsibility for that but again you know i had covid for a week and i went back to work so i've just been really busy but yeah this this was insane um i honestly don't know what would have happened if these movies came out but i would have definitely liked to have seen them I would have been I would have seen every single one of them day one in the theater for sure. Definitely. Yeah. I would have been there day one for both well, you know, if history would have happened the way it did and COVID still happened in twenty twenty, we probably wouldn't have seen Justice League part three until like twenty twenty one. Yeah. But, you know. Maybe in an alternate reality COVID didn't happen, we got these movies. I don't know. I, I have no idea. Maybe we should get a flash and have him run a cosmic treadmill and find out. <laughs> but I think that is where we're going to put a pin in it here for this episode of the Eternal Night. Craig, any final thoughts on these storyboards? Nah, just uh, man, what films they could have been. Just some some of the most interesting takes on the characters, the plot developments, and I mean, just that the brutality towards the end. That that's what really got me. You know. Green Lantern's arm getting blown off, Mira getting crushed to death. Yeah. 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 Snyder would not have been holding back towards the end of this. When has he ever held back? 
never never i never, <laughs> never. I'd, I'd never go now after seeing a lot of his other films he he doesn't hold back and i no. i imagine he's not going to hold back with rebel moon so does I that actually, have does that have a release no he's no. he's as far as i know he's still filming part one okay so i'd imagine maybe sometime next year probably next holiday if not early 2024 give or take yeah probably um i think if i have any final thoughts on these again it's it's just you know i i like that these exist because i can visualize what these movies would have been like in my head but i do also kind of wish these movies would have happened yeah but you know that's what we talk that's why that's why we're here we like podcasting about things related to batman that's why we like doing what we do so we can talk about stuff like this because this intrigues us makes us think why the (laughs) why of it because the why matters but yes that is where we're going to put a pin in here uh if you guys would like to follow the show again uh see eat under uh, sorry at t-e-k underscore podcast that's on twitter and, and facebook as well as instagram uh, you guys can drop us an email at eternalnightpod at gmail.com. You can also leave us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, if not Podbean itself. That help gets the show noticed, and it helps us out greatly. We always appreciate it. And if you all want, again, follow me on social media, uh, unfiltered. That's Twitter, Vero, Instagram, except right now I probably won't be able to interact with you on Twitter because I'm in Twitter jail because I am a fool. And I just get into too many arguments on that cesspool of an application, but that is my own fault. I fully recognize bad Twitter that. Boy. Yeah, I'm a bad Twitter boy. I can't wait for you to come back, though, big bad Craig. Yeah, boy. <laughs> I'm, I'm still never letting <laughs> that just, one go. Yeah. I, I think that's a good at. That's a good yeah, at sign I think, for you. I think I might have to do that. When you're ready, good chum, when you're ready. Uh, Multiverse has got a new character, Yippie Kaye. Let's not talk about that now. Let's just. Gizmo. Not. Oh. Gremlins. <laughs> See, when I heard it, I thought it was like Gizmo from Teen Titans, but that just makes it worse. Yeah, nope, it's Gizmo from Gremlins. Well, that said, folks, uh, fare thee thee well. Enjoy your Batman whatever, be it movies, TV show, comics, games, what have you. Stay safe, keep the signal lit, take it easy, and keep it classy in the cave, everybody. Take care, everyone. Maybe, in a way, that smelly old flounder is right. Because... How many can die in your arms before you grow numb to death? That's not very careful. And how many dead eyes can you look into before you die inside yourself? I've been dead inside a long time. But even I have a limit. And if you cross that line, I swear to God, before what, Bruce? Kill me? You don't want to kill me. I'm your best friend. Besides, who's going to give you a reach around? Anyway, you need me. You need me to help you undo this world you created by letting her die. Poor Lois. How she suffered so! I often wonder, how many alternate timelines do you destroy the world? Because, frankly, you don't have the colonies to die yourself. Hmm?
So as usual, I'll be the bigger man. A truce? Bruce. <laughs> as long as you have this card. A truce. But all you have to do is tear it in half, and I'm happy to discuss with you in any way like why you sent a boy wonder. To do a man's job. You know, it's funny. You would talk about people who died in my arms. Because when I held Harley Quinn, and she was bleeding and dying, she begged me with her last breath. And when I killed you, and make no mistake, I will fucking kill you. Then I do it slow. I'm gonna honor that promise. Thank you for listening to the Eternal Night Podcast. This podcast is not affiliated with Warner Brothers Discovery, DC Entertainment, or anything else related to WBD. Uh, all thoughts shared belong to those involved and not the companies they happen to work for or be talking about. If you would like to follow along the show, you can follow along on Podbean or iTunes. Feel free to drop us an email at eternalnightpod at gmail.com. You can also follow us along on Twitter and Facebook. Just search for T-E-K underscore podcast. Thank you.